action right here on Monday Night Show. You want a war? You're going to get one. You fans can stick it, brother. Brett screwed Brett. This is bullshit! And I also appreciate the fact that, hell, you can kiss my ass. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 136 of Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside Cole Jones. Hello everybody, Tony Lister is still alive. <laughs> I thought it was Tiny Lister. Who gives a shit? And T- Tiny Tony. And Kieran O'Rourke. Uh, it's great to be back with good old boys let's rock this shit <laughs> of course this is a, uh, a lovely precursor good old boys we are talking August of 1999 in the critically acclaimed Monday Night War timeline series here this week around the Oakham table if you haven't heard any of our previous episodes of the timeline you can of course go back to the archives at squaredcirclegazette.com where we archive every show we've ever done been covering this uh, from the very beginning of the war looking at every Raw every Nitro every pay-per-view with uh, notes from the Wrestling Observer and Wrestling, uh, Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters of the time not every thunder no not every thunder not every smackdown this is the Monday Night War timeline we stress and of course that becomes doubly important this month with the dawn of smackdown uh, which actually will have a, a big knock on effect in, in September and October which we'll come to uh, in the coming weeks here at SCG but kicking it off here August of 1999 we're going to start with the first Raw and Nitro of the month uh, 10 pages of notes as always lots of, uh, lots of interesting stuff going on here this month but we'll kick it off with Raw and Nitro because on August 2nd we kick it off with a... Where should we go? Let's go Raw. Because the Acolytes come out to start, so I knew immediately that this month was going to be hot. Oh, the blue touch paper has been well and truly lit. <laughs> I just I looked at them coming out to start and I was like, huh, they think the war's won now, don't they? <laughs> Evidently. Uh, they call out the uh, the big show in The Undertaker, this, uh, this dream team that was formed at the end of July, and instead they get Bob Holly, who buries them both and calls himself the big shot, which... Yeah. Bob Holly. There was a modicum of uh, <laughs> of entertainment in in Bob here. Yeah, yeah he was he was Mod- funny. Yeah. He was better than I remember. It was the cheesy grin on his face. <laughs> he was like, he believes it. He, yeah, this is great. Yeah. I was actually quite saddened by the end of the month when Bob is is dampened on television, which I never thought I'd say. But uh, we'll come we'll come to that. Obviously, he challenges both acolytes, and they just kick the shit out of him. <laughs> and that's the end of the big shot for now, at least. Um, Edge beats Gangrel in a bloodbath match when Christian turns on Gangrel, uh, which leads to the brothers hugging, and that's the end of the brood, as it were. Uh, Christian and Edge and our tag team, which again, kind of surprising at the time, because I remember thinking that, that the split of Edge from the group was going to lead to him being a big singles guy, because you can tell on commentary, especially JR, that uh, they got high hopes for him, but nope, back in the team. Well, there was a, uh, this is just guess, obviously, he, did he have, I'm sure he had a bit of heat for that when he bust up uh, was it Estrada's neck. Oh yeah, yeah, Jose Estrada's and next start. It, it was obviously very green, so they were. They had high hopes for him. Great size, great look, um, but no rush. No rush. Just, just tempering yeah. expectations a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Shane McMahon comes out, and uh, and this is the promo that you would expect at the start of the show. A weird promo. Um, first of all, this is Jim Ross for singing the goodbye song and said that without Vince, there is no WWF or Ted Turner's WCW wrestling. Shane McMahon then says that Vince McMahon made all of WCW stars. Okay. Well, again, to, to your point of they're opening the show with the acolytes, I think the walls, when they're confident enough to openly acknowledge the competition. Yeah. Let's just kick them now. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't fucking matter at all. But, the uh, dog is limping, let's kick that little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shane McMahon then said the corporate ministry were pretty much disbanded, free to do whatever they want until he deems it necessary to bring them back together. Seems a somewhat sloppy way to do this if I'm a writer of a television show. Yeah, I, 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 I've. 
I read a lot and watch a lot about um, the old, you know, old school mafia and uh, and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, sloppiness of this of this level does not happen in like, Costa Nostra or what the fuck it's called. I don't read that much, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not going to name. Expose yourself there. You, you, yeah. you, you dip your toes in. I dip my toes in. I like. Literally, I watched half a documentary once. Okay. On, uh, John Gotti, because yeah. uh, the fun-loving criminals weren't in it, so yeah. I just give up. I'm waiting for the Travolta film of Gotti to come out. That, that'll teach me everything I need to know. But. uh other than that, obviously, we, 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 this is the first month without Vince on television. Vince has been uh, is now gone from the WF forever, <clears throat> uh, according to, to uh, the stipulation of Fully Loaded. So Shane is here disbanding the corporate ministry and says that Test is now his top, top priority. Test comes out and says he'll go through the entire posse until only Shane is left. A curious statement, considering that Shane's in the ring on his own right now. <laughs> and, and you would think, if, if Shane still wields... I mean, let's face it, the corporate ministry had been de-emphasised you know, long before this promo, but if Shane has such great authority that he can just bring them back together at any point and test his top priority, why doesn't he just keep them together to get rid of tests? Uh, I've got an answer for this, so I'm going to drop a logic bomb. It's been a while. Oh, go on. Rich boy Greenwich hubris. He thought... <laughs> he thought... This is a family... <coughs> I don't know what Liam's laughing about. He thought this is a family problem family takes care of its own problems you got his boys in because obviously the hubris of the Greenwich pot, of the Mean Street Posse the Greenwich badasses that they are thought they can take care of any problem so Test is on that list and and, and Test is now going to have to run this gauntlet exactly and what a gauntlet it is mm-hmm. um, <laughs> do you run the gauntlet or do you pick up a gauntlet in, in, in Gladiator is the TV show you had to run through the gauntlet yeah but I'm, I'm thinking more neither of these guys are Shadow by the way in the posse no, just, just, for, just for historical <laughs> that would be nice none of them are even Cobra have you seen Shane Strikes <laughs> <laughs> hang on look, I, I, mind you adding Shadow to the Mean Street Posse will be, would be kind of like adding I don't know say Virgil to the West Tes- Texas <laughs> Rednecks <laughs> which is obviously ridiculous so you know. yeah let's not even consider such absurdity let's keep this in the real world though yes indeed Taker and Big Show team up to beat Kane and the Road Dog when Taker pins Kane uh, the acolytes appear afterwards on the stage but Bob runs down and whacks them with a board and then yells at Taker and Big Show saying that he saved their ass <laughs> and that they're welcome Mr. Ars Mr. Ars comes out for a terrible promo on The Rock. He says that his ass was everything The Rock's wasn't. He said he took a picture of The Rock's ass and put it on the screen, and it was a shot of a large woman walking uh, from behind a fat ass shot, which leads to, to Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler having a field day with comments that I can only imagine were written down for them by Vince Russo. Um... The Rock shows up on the screen, said that it was Billy's mom's ass, and then just verbally slapped down Billy in China with just such ease. It was, it was just a beautiful thing. Uh, he just Billy Gunn was just so out of his element. In the, this level with The Rock, this this act, this promo, this guy's mid-card. Complete and utter mismatch. Not a fair fight. The ref should have stopped. Yeah. yeah. The, the vacuous nature of Billy Gunn's talent levels really do show up yeah <laughs> when he has to do anything outside of a tag match really yeah anytime he has to do anything, 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 anything outside of the hot tag yeah. from Road Dog you sent me a text saying um, what was he said about Billy that he was fucking terrible probably he's fucking terrible yeah obviously uh, oh just the character oh yeah but like I was thinking <clears throat> the character didn't matter in this era in this year if, like, if he had like a modicum of charisma 
He would have got over. Yeah, yeah. I missed ask that. He would have got over that gimmick. People, it's so don't blame the gimmick, blame the guy. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. Yeah, I do blame the guy. <laughs> Trust me, the character's cack, and he does not yeah. play it well. Um, yeah. However, a guy who did feel like they were getting a bit of momentum here, D'Lo Brown, my boy, yes. beats Jeff Jarrett in a title versus title match. Largely unadvertised, but oh well. D'Lo Brown, the first Eurocontinental champion as a result of this. Uh, Deborah tries to distract D'Lo with a backfire. He just hits Jarrett with, tar- with a belt, sorry, and, uh, and pins him. And there you go. D'Lo. And, and I like the way they push this too, where obviously everyone's behind D'Lo as he wins. And Jim Ross and country saying D'Lo Brown's just taken a big step to the next level here with this victory. And I really, this is the point where I was really encouraged for D'Lo. Yeah. Important thing. We talk about the Jim Ross effect for, uh, for well, probably every show we've done, actually. But, um... This is that little bit of gravitas that he gives for key things at the mm. right time. The emphasis, and like, okay, mm. Jim Ross means this. We, you know, it's, it means something when Jim Ross puts over Deal O'Brien in this situation. Yeah. He's just one time. Conflict that to Nitro. That every fucking segment is so hyperbolic from Shivani and Heenan's. This guy is the best guy. What a guy. What an athlete. This guy's tremendous. And it's fucking Mike Enos again. No. <laughs> just little things. Yeah, it, it, it lends itself to what we talked about on the last show with regards to the commentation and the fact that you, because of JR's credibility he's able to lend it to what feels like important acts yeah um, so Steve Austin comes out for a poem on Triple H uh, Taker and show Waddle back out here uh, Taker challenges Austin and they attack him they both attack Steve Austin here this was actually res- the result as we mentioned on the last episode of the timeline of Steve Austin not wa- wanting to work a tag match where it was going to be him and Rock against Billy Trips and China because he didn't want to work with Billy specifically um, and, and as a result and, and on the basis of the promo earlier in the show he was quite right so however this was when they asked him what he wanted to do he said me, put me with Taker again so we'll see how that goes I suppose but uh, anyway uh, JR mentions during I believe the Bossman Viscera match that the Millennium Countdown that's been running for a few uh, for a few weeks is now ending next week dun 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 so that'd be exciting Triple H arrives at the arena in quarter seven of the show uh, not happy that Steve Austin is defending the belt against Undertaker so uh, obviously that comes in later on um, Tess breaks Rodney's arm in a match only going to mention that in passing it'll become relevant later in the main event the Undertaker comes out, but Triple H walks out to Steve Austin's music, saying nobody's getting a title shot before him. The man who cares so much about it showed up late for work. Um, Austin comes out and brawls with Triple H. The Acolytes run in, then Kane, then Road Dog. Bob Holly's back to save the day. And finally, to a rousing ovation, The Rock comes out to yeah. beat the shit out of everybody. Hones uh, and on Taker. Everybody kind of splinters off. Finally, Steve Austin hits Mr. Ass with a stunner as Triple H hits the pedigree on Road Dog, but the crowd's going crazy because Austin's hit his key move and a uh, very quick Austin Triple H stare down doesn't last a long time in the show. I have no earthly idea what was going on really with all these people coming no. out. But a real what, mishmash. If, if you want to use smoke and mirrors to distract from fucking I have no idea what's happening on my show, but hell, this is pretty exciting. Yeah. Book it like this. Yeah. Because like, it didn't make any sense. But when it's getting, it builds, it builds, it builds, and Rock comes out, it's like, oh, wow, he's a star. And it's just so, comes it out. looks a hot product, even yeah. if there's you fuck get, all going on. Exactly, exactly. Rock comes out, crowd goes crazy. Austin hits a stunner, crowd goes crazy. Distracts from the fact that, that fucking Farouk and Bob Harley <laughs> are involved in this. If you wanted to look at it sort of, you sort of try and take a step back and just look at the nuts and bolts of it, or you'd sit back and think, this is just the ending to Nitro for yeah. the last three years, in truth. But because of the stars in it, and they don't you know, do this that uh, frequently no, anyway. They, they don't do that frequently, and because of the stars, 
some of the stars and I don't want to I don't want to give the impression that I think all these people are stars because they're clearly not um, that still feel even in Austin's case there's still a relative freshness in comparison to a, you know, the Hogan's of this world you know, it can work it can work it can work over on Nitro let's see how they combat this the show opens with a Jersey Triad interview yeah bada bing bada boom but a bollocks. <laughs> I hate these guys so much. But at least they've. I have fonder memories of these. They're, they're, at least they're supposed to be heels. So I'll let that ride. Yeah. They're really obnoxious. Yeah. So maybe it's just like, yeah, today's wrestling um, paradigm has kind of jilted me. But hey, at least they've been heels and I fucking hate them. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It's, it's, it's one of those where I don't remember being particularly enamoured at the time. And watching it back in retrospect, they hold up even, even less well. This is the this when yet just for the to, to save people from from watching this, they don't want to watch it. This is the period where DDP is doing his "Your mom is so fat" and Bigelow and Canyon are chiming with her "How fat is she?" and then he hits the punchline and pops for his own gag, and it is obnoxious as hell. So he he challenges Benoit to a singles match. Um, you know what? Saying that, I never want to watch him wrestle. So oh, I don't even want to see people beat him up. So after this month, yeah. I especially didn't want to see him wrestle. Um, Harlem Heat came out and immediately they went to Harlem Heat beating Canyon and Bam Bam Bigelow in a decent opener. Um, Sting comes out and does a good interview asking for a partner. The place, all chance for Goldberg. <laughs> Dave Meltzer adds it in saying, you'd think the fans would give the company the hint as to who this thing needs to be built around. <laughs> Hogan comes out for another interview and challenges Nash, Nash for a title match later in the show. Sting comes back out for another interview, asks Goldberg to be the partner. Uh, backstage, Sid and Rick Steiner literally according to Meltzer, killed Goldberg with a shovel. Didn't literally kill him. Uh, he had this gigantic knot in the back of his head and they had to super glue the cut closed. Sting tries to make the save for Goldberg. They beat him up, take him to the ring. Goldberg breaks out of the room and, uh, and makes the save. So uh, there you go. That's, that's setting up our tag match main event later tonight. Sting, Goldberg versus Sid and fucking Rick Steiner. Oh, God, Rick. Rick Steiner. Jesus Christ. How far... Who, by the way, comes out and, and fucking belly to belly Scott Hudson and gets him out of the way. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Your tour of duty is over. Yeah. How how shit do you have to be to when you're in a tag team with Sid, you're the lesser of the two. You're the weak link. <laughs> yeah. The weak link of a Sid tag team. Just imagine how bad that individual is in every facet of life. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no, there's no need to uh, use your imagination because we get to see it unfold here in the front of our eyes. Chris Benoit beats DDP in their match and then DDP graciously lays him out with three diamond cutters after the match. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Randy Savage does a promo on this show challenging Dennis Rodman. Uh, Miss Madness, a very young Molly Holly, uh, comes out and begs for her job back. Um, very poor acting job here. God bless her. Shades of Stephanie McMahon, to be quite honest, over on Raw. I'm just... Except one's a virgin and one definitely isn't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just amazed she survived the whole experience. How? How? How did she come through that? I don't understand it. It's literally like putting an ice cube in hell and saying, don't fucking melt. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Great job. Great job. Um, So she's coming asking for a job back. Savage tries to make her beg for it, but fires her again. He challenges Dennis Rodman, who, who's supposed to be in the face in all this. Is he? He comes out with a live mic, and you wouldn't know. He's there, flanked by two of your favourites, Carl, the <laughs> swollen 4x4 from Master P's uh, posse. 
And in his infinite wisdom of how to play a babyface, he said that he's already had sex with Savage's girlfriend, mumbled this, and then, in front of a crowd of 99.9% <laughs> white guys from South Dakota, says, once you've had black, you'll never go back. No, know your audience, people. Oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck? I, I, I... Savage, again, at times wildly entertains me with <laughs> fucking wild... I don't know what's going on with Randy Savage. It's the steroids. Um, <laughs> it gets but, worse later. But like, yeah, it gets worse before it gets better. Who's yeah, the does. heel? Who's the face? I'm cheering for Savage in this. I'm going Savage. In South Dakota, it's quite clear who the heel is. Well, it's not unanimous boos. Although they do, he does earn some boos. Um, Miss Madness gives Savage a low blow. Robin runs in, clotheslines him, and starts doing just elbow drops on him in a, in his fly coat. Yeah, patchwork bion- quilt. Bionic elbows. These are not. Hmm, I guess not. <laughs> Uh, they spent most of the show hyping Hogan and Nash rather meekly. And at the end of the night, just say that Nash hadn't shown up. Oh, was this? Uh, they started the show as well, I think, unless they unless they play it halfway through, with this tremendous recap video of the history of the world title. Um, oh. From, probably from Starcade on. Makes no fucking sense. And it's got no no graphics, there's no narration, it's just still images. It's fucking <laughs> stellar. I, I implore you if, you, if you watch one segment of anything we talk about on this show go and watch this because it's like I don't know what I'm supposed to think anymore <laughs> I don't know what's going on I don't what? know what I'm supposed to think watching how, this show for how can how can a company with such a budget that is capable of we'll such discuss the budget Lisa by the way who's capable of such excellent production values if they wish to use them manages to produce and it's not just here just in general Produces such terrible vignettes every time. The video packages they're awful. Match graphics, everything looks so cheap and fucking tacky. Yeah, I mean, I I made a remark to um, to Liam before we started recording about how even taking away the Nitro logo from the ring, yeah, it's it's a very cosmetic thing, I grant you, but it just gives off this drab impression, this sort of greyness to everything. Yeah, Yeah. and it's compared to the old look of all that colour and all that fucking pop. And that, that's not the sort of thing that should be make or break for a company by any, by any means, you know, with fucking ring apron. But you know, know. it just, yeah, it just, it, it's just an, another sort of layer to it all. Grey. He decided grey was the it's, it's an addition to the malaise. Yeah. So, the two shows got this. On, over on Royal, you got the run college campuses, and it's really tight. There's signs everywhere. That the atmosphere is hot, even when stuff makes no sense in the ring. A lot of it's hot. And you turn the channel and it's like in a warehouse, the acoustics are horrible, the graphics are shit, and everything's grey. Including the men. <laughs> yeah. And in the main event, speaking of, Sid and Rick Steiner beat Sting and Goldberg, guess? Disqualification, that's right. When Hulk Hogan gets up from country and hits Rick Steiner and Sid with steel chair shots. And we go what? Why can't Rick Steiner do a fucking job? I know. <laughs> Because he might tee off on you with his eighty uh, percent work, eighty uh, percent shoot. Uh, <laughs> Tatters. Yeah. Um, coming your way, Perry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's glorious. <laughs> uh, yeah. Come to that later. Um, Bish, uh, sorry, fish off on, on commentary, commentary with Hogan again. This hasn't been long. A month or two, maybe a day or two. And it's Bischoff doing this straight-laced babyface attempt, I guess, down the line, play by play. With Hogan, who's in his NWO gear, 
but he's freshly shaven and he's talking to Bischoff what a great decision it was to shave and he's feeling like a new man and he's, he's, <laughs> he's oh what the fuck is going on I have no idea it doesn't make any sense no it's like they flip the board and this is where the pieces are on this one Bischoff's already thinking about fly fishing in Wyoming <laughs> he better be because he's going there soon whether he likes it or not at the end Kevin Nash power appears uh, ambushes Hogan from behind, power bombs into the table, and the show goes off the air. The angle was fine for Hogan and Nash, but it totally established Goldberg as a bit player in the big picture behind Hogan, says Meltzer. I take umbrage with the word <clears throat> established as if this was a recent occurrence. <laughs> Indeed. Now, you may remember, at the end of the last episode of the timeline, we guffawed about some of the ratings, and then now uh, WCW was seriously fucked because lamented. L- yeah, after 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 a Goldberg tag match was beaten by Dross and had double by Dross and Alvarez. <laughs> Let's see how things go this well, one week, of them shall is we? A prince. Yeah, <laughs> the biggest. They did draw. It wasn't a wedding though. So. Yeah. Got <laughs> that on topical. Yeah. Satire, people. Satire. It's going on right now as we speak. The biggest Monday night grudge match this week was between golfers David Duval and Tiger Woods in a primetime showdown on ABC which went head-to-head with all three hours of wrestling and did a 6.9. As a result, Raw dropped from a near-record 7.1 last week down to a 5.9 this week. Nitro didn't pick up any of the slack and also lost 450,000 viewers, meaning the total wrestling audience in one week fell 2 million people. Uh, Raw's star quarter was a 6.7 for the in-ring interview confrontation with The Rock, Mr. Ass and China, and the IC title change for D'Lo Brown. Yeah. The real deal now. More surprising is that the next quarter hour featuring the Steve Austin interview, an angle where he was jumped by The Undertaker and Big Show, fell to a 5.6. So, big drop. Uh, the final quarter, which saw Hogan come out for commentary, and the first few minutes of Sting and Goldberg versus Vicious and Rick Steiner drew only a 2.9 compared to a 6.0 for Tess versus Rodney. <laughs> Rodney! <laughs> Put it like that. Oh, Rodders. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting weeks to say that. <laughs> You start this whole series just on that one line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, yeah, people say it would be uh, funny if it wasn't so sad, but no, I think it's pretty fucking hilarious. It's hilarious. <laughs> However, in the overrun, W3's tag team main event improved all the way to a 4.0, while uh, WF Steve Austin vs. Undertaker uh, non-match with all the runs did a 6.2. Nitro's second hour was a total disaster as they broke the Megadeth low-rating quarter-hour record by doing a 1.98 for Douglas and Malenko versus Flynn and Hugh Morris. How's that, French fries? Ha, ha, ha. Nitro. Got the fucking money. Yeah, yeah. Hogan did not work Nitro because of a legit knee injury, a hyperextension that he suffered last week. He's definitely doing road wild, and after that he'll be around as long as they want to start getting the Hogan versus Hart program ready, since Hart is scheduled at this point on Nitro on August 16th. Nash, who is still officially the booker, but it's in name only since Hogan and Bischoff are calling pretty much all the shots, is trying to position this storyline to where he gets the title from Hart before the end of the year in exchange for putting Hogan over at Road Wild. Good to see the priorities are all still in line in the offices in WCW. 
Big news! On August 3rd, however, the World Wrestling Federation officially changes its corporate name from Titan Sports to World Wrestling Federation Entertainment Inc. and announced that it has filed papers to be going public. The money raised in the offering will be used as capital to continue current wrestling business and help start new business ventures, some of which are already past the planning stages. The WF plans to expand far beyond pro wrestling into numerous other businesses which include theme restaurants, perhaps ho- uh, theme hotels and a record label. There's even been talk of potential expansion into other sports-related industries. Does this mean with the change of the corporate name that Donnie Lalonde and Sugar Ray Leonard no longer get <laughs> Where's that Snake River Canyon jump footage that we all long for, uh, Carly? Vince, memories. Vince Russo is writing a pilot for a television series that the WWF would be involved with about behind the scenes at a wrestling company. He will still write WWF television as well. And we already have Beyond the Mat. <laughs> the tentative name is Rope Opera. What's a wanker? What's an absolute twat? What's a tosspot? Oh, here's a cryptic remark from the Observer. There is a decent chance that when Deborah and Jeff Jarrett are broken up, that Jarrett will be phased down. Mm. More on this very, very shortly. Steve Austin. That name will come up uh, in conjunction. Mm. Missed the weekend house show due to his shin injury. Due to shin? <laughs> due to the injury and in that he won't be ready for the classic match they were hoping for in the main event of SummerSlam, the plan is to turn it into a three-way match with Mankind, who also may not be fully ready when it comes to his knees, but can always take crazy bumps. It also allows, if the idea is to get the belt on Triple H, a title change without Austin having to do a job. Deborah also missed the same shows that Steve Austin missed, as apparently the deal now is that if Austin doesn't go on the road, she doesn't either. This is step one in becoming WCW, says Dave. I've, I've heard this somewhere before. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Is this the first acknowledgement <clears throat> of the Deborah Austin Trist? Uh, Maybe a Trist if there's only two, probably not. Trist. I thought it was called, three. A, I thought it was called a Trist. I don't know how to make words up, then I say. <laughs> a Trist. It's somewhere Trist. in there anyway. Yeah. You try hard, it's like, I'm Trist, isn't it? Eric Bischoff wanted Hulk Hogan to turn back heel this week, saying that the babyface turn hadn't worked, pointing to the ratings. I'm assuming you saw the same thing I did when I laughed at Rodney. Uh, at one point, Bischoff wanted to book a heel Hulk Hogan, beating Bret Hart for the main event of the August 23rd Nitro in Las Vegas, rather than saving it for the full brawl pay-per-view as originally planned. That seems to have fallen apart, although Bret Hart is said to be training like crazy for his comeback, recognising he has a lot to prove to everyone, and there is no definite time or even a definite programme for him anymore. So the uh, the Hart-Hogan thing, which had been planned for weeks, months even, seems to have fallen apart here. Hmm. Bischoff wants Hogan to turn back heel already. Makes, makes as much sense as anything else at this stage. Yeah. At least at this point, you could have saved it with the... Obviously, probably where they go in the next couple of weeks, like, you know, with Luger saying he's full of shit and all that. It would have been completely, at least it would have made sense where, yeah, of course, mate, of course it's part, of course I'm working you all because I'm Hulk Hogan and it's only been two weeks and I've been a heel for four years or whatever. Yeah. So, they could have saved it, well not saved it, just... I, I think the original... They could, made, they, could have, they could have made it less shit. I think yeah. the original idea was that this was obviously going to be a phony turn and, and the red, even the whole red... And, yeah, well, we'll come, we'll come to it now. August 9th on Nitro, a hot crowd, particularly for Hogan, uh, that made what was really a terrible show seem almost passable at times, says Meltzer. Tony Schiavone was back in the lead chair with Heenan this week. Uh, They announced that Sting had given WCW uh, control back to WCW, that Dusty Rhodes was put in charge of the championship committee, and J.J. Dillon was put in charge of the executive committee. 
That's all we need in this company. More layers. More power. What? Who's got the power? Stinger Who do declare. you trust? Who do you trust? Backstage, Dusty Rhodes, the new head of the championship committee, who they, they pimped and like, you know, Dusty Rhodes, he's been around a long time. He's done he's he's good. He's good, Dusty. The one that fucking turned his back on us and joined the NWO when we needed him the most. Yeah. He was laying down the law backstage to the revolution, uh, who complained about how Ric Flair was holding them back. David Flair, United States champion, and Toy Wilson were walking oh, by and uh <laughs> Sorry, just just before just really get too far in. And we started watching these again. I had a bit of a, a bit of a break from them because let's face it, you, you needed it at times with these nitro ones. And I'm sat there watching. It. David Flair appears on the screen. I forgot he's got the US belt. Oh God! It's all. It's like you know, it's like some sort of acid reflux. It just all came back. Yeah. However, the, the great part is where David uh, yells at Dusty for running down Vic Flair. Benoit just grabs him and puts him in the crossface right there on the floor. <laughs> like, fuck you! <laughs> Completely unjustified, but it's alright. It's like these fucking bullies. Basically, yeah, the premise of this story is like, David Flair is a geek, right? Borderline mentally challenged. <laughs> Bullied at school, but then somehow... Gets the fuck a hot one. He fucks the hottest chicken town. And he's got the belt. And he's got the belt. And he's got no talent. <laughs> And then he gets the shit kicked out by the bullies in, yeah, in, yeah. in, in the hallway. Then one looks at him, just takes him straight <laughs> just down. Just him down. <laughs> Fucking get down the floor. <laughs> just, you watch. <laughs> and then you see, and you see things like that. And you know, they say love is love is blind and all that jazz, but it makes it even more gory the notion that, yeah, in storyline, he's with Tory Wilson. Then in real life, about a year later, he ends up fucking Stacey Keebler. And you think, how does that work? Yeah. He can just say, hey, I was the US champ. <laughs> that That's how it works. Oh, wow. Dusty, of course, makes the title match <laughs> Benoit versus David Flair for later in the show. A clean-shaven Hulk Hogan is backstage when his son, Nicholas, asks him to wear his red and yellow. Next thing you know, Steiner... And- <laughs> Nicholas has a terrible impact on his career. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't listen to that boy. Um, next thing you know, Steiner and Vicious come in and give him a lame beating with a weak belt shot. Uh, Goldberg and Sting came out and eventually they all cleaned house and they made a chance for a six man later in the show with a Nash, Vicious and Steiner against Hogan, Goldberg and Sting doesn't it all feel so fresh oh I can't wait for this quarter hour number oh boy um, Hogan also <laughs> challenged Nash to a loser must retire stipulation at Road Wild so there you go why not why not why not what a shit job they did, by the way, of hyping the, the fucking impact in the, of this match. I know this is like kind of stating the obvious at this point, but Hogan Nash, after all this time, the NWO, the shit that happened in January, still don't know why Nash is fucking turning on, on Hogan here and aligning with Vicious, who was feuding against only weeks before. It makes absolute no sense. This is so we, bad. We do have the illusions that last time he dropped the belt to Hogan for a political thing, oh, which, well, is never elab- which is never elaborated on. No. It's like, yeah, it's like the, the overall effect is that they're all a bunch of cunts and there's no reason to like any of them even Goldie he's like yeah. he's the one who saw them who murked himself off by teaming with both oh, of these guys God, after he's just yeah. being their little buddy and it's like at least Bill where's your self respect Bill exactly it just comes across as naive and it's like yeah which he was he was he, he really was I think he's out there and you can see like um, probably later in the month when he's a lot of the little interactions with Hogan 
and like Hogan's just doing his, he's going through his shtick and Hogan's all points you watch Hogan he's all points point to the opponent point, point to Bill point to himself and it's drawing all the attention onto Hogan and Bill's just standing there and it's like this fresh face it's on, it's on this show is it and it's, it's on this show and he, look, it's like, he looks like he's in awe he's like he doesn't know yeah, he's like, what the fuck's going on what's this guy doing and he's like this guy Jesus and it's like moments like that it's like Hogan's going out of his way to expose this guy as he's not ready to be in the, in the yeah. position everyone thinks he should be because he's standing next to him and look at him yeah look, look, look what I'm doing look, what I, look how I've got everyone in the palm of my hand it's like this is what a champion does it's fucking fucked up priorities of this company at, at this point I've established that the only baby face in the company is Molly Holly pretty much the only one yeah. the only one in the whole place um, Chris Benoit who would have been running close to that if it wasn't for what happened years later uh, beats <laughs> David Flair to win the United States title in four minutes with a diving headbutt so that's the end of that experiment it's over well, you know, at least they've got the US belt on you know, the worthy person there, and he should, you know, he can really build off the back of this. DDP attacks Benoit straight afterwards. Um, okay. And uh, Benoit challenges him to a no DQ title match on the pay per view. This does go somewhere good, so I'll, uh, I'll, I won't critique this too much. Randy Savage did an interview. The previous, the previous, the previous Thursday on Thunder, which we don't usually mention. <laughs> Savage had promised to reveal who drove the Hummer and to introduce a new bodyguard on Nitro now that Sid oh, is God, with Nash. It's swole, isn't it? <laughs> he didn't either, nor were either of them ever brought up. Savage then starts talking about how he's running for presidency, which is him doing his own angle. Which was the Hogan angle from not so long ago. Yeah. Cool. And probably kind of the flair one too. Yeah. He mentioned presidency at some point. He did. He was company president, he said he was president of the world, of the United okay. States. Oh, sorry, but they're not talking about it this week, so it's okay for someone else to. President of the infirmary where he you know, bailed himself out of. Terrible. Kurt Hennig in a fucking ugly shirt. An ugly shirt. And the Rednecks come out to their new song and say that they'd be in concert. Uh, Gene Oakland protests about how the great Chad Brock was coming out uh, well, yeah, with a big tone, trying to get the big face pop, and they all booed Chad Brock anyway. Um, very strong Deadpool presence on this show, by the way. Vampiro and, uh, and you know, Raven, of course, is walking along, tagging along in the background, mm. while Vampiro tries really hard with, their, with ICP. He's a try-hard. They attacked Kidman and Disco uh, earlier in the show until Ray and Eddie Guerrero made the save. Right. Eddie looking like a fucking million dollars every time he turns oh, up this Eddie's week. Eddie's great this month. Oh, my God. He looks good in gold. He does. This man's brilliant. We'll, come, we'll talk more about Eddie as, as we get along here, but he's just fantastic. And the fans fucking love him, too. Oh, it's so obvious. As a baby face. Like, this guy right here is, is a gold mine. The one good thing about WWE production is when heel Eddie at the... Well, is he supposed to be heel at the start of the month? Yeah, the first match with yeah. the Deadpool. And it's, I think he's it's because it, I think it's this point here when they yes. shake hands. Yeah, and he we, the first time he walks out and they do the close-up on his face and he does the little sneer with his... Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. It's like, that is fucking money. I yeah, love it. Eddie's so great. Um... Oh, love the guy. Rodman. Oh, hang on a second here. Finally, I should mention, the Revolution came out to beat up the Rednecks before they could beat up Chad Brock. That's very important. Uh, Dennis Rodman came out for a promo and called Gorgeous George's bitch. As you can imagine, the fans booed that. Yeah, so where are we this week? I can't remember. I didn't write it down this time. Again. It's okay, because the important thing is, that despite one or two bumps in the road, we're heading to Road Wild, where he's sure to get a favourable response. <laughs> Indeed. History has proven that to us. Yes. Savage came out to, to, to challenge Rodman after these claims about his missus being his bitch, and Rodman ran away. <laughs> what a fucking babyface this guy is. And finally, in your main events, Hulk Hogan, Stingman, and Goldberg <laughs> beat Kevin Nash, Sid Vicious, and Rick Steiner. 
when Hogan cleaned house on everyone and allowed Sting to beat Nash with the Scorpion Deathlock. Hogan in the red and yellow was over like crazy and totally overshadowed Goldberg and Sting, and the, ma- the way that the match was set up made sure that would happen. Yeah, no fucking shit. Yeah. Last, it, 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 again, if I'm wrong because a lot of these matches over, uh, vaguely remember Hogan getting all the shine, Goldberg getting like one move, and then starts getting beat up, and then they do they get the heat on Sting. They get the heat on Sting. Yeah, yeah. To give the tag back to Hogan to Hogan to clean house and yeah. fucking uh, oh my god this is like what this it's structured to make him the star oh, after everything that's happened um, it's fucking unbelievable Unbel- it's not unbelievable you, you watch it back and it's like Jesus Christ it's like there's so in this we get so used to reading about wrestling um, you know I think what's the word law wrestling law and it's like uh, Maybe some of its interpretation or perspective. And you watch this, and it's like slaps you in the face. It's like, oh my fucking god, it is coming. How can you? How can you all not see this? Yeah. Well, so you, you have that sort of to, to your point of using the word unbelievable. Can you? You have that sort of split second where you're watching. I can't believe they're doing this. And then almost just as quickly, you sit there and go, Of course they're doing this. <laughs> it's WCW. It's Hogan and it's Bischoff. Why, why Why? should I expect anything else at this stage? Yeah. Gold, Goldberg's pops are way down since they changed the song, by the way. Imagine yeah. that. I know, I know. Over on Raw on August 9th, the show opens with the Millennium Clock, continuing to count down with about one and a half hours left on it. Very exciting time this was. Oh, what's it going to be? Is it going to be what we want it to be? Is it? Is it? Is it? I was so excited for this. Uh, this uh, brought a smile to my face when I saw the show open with this clock. We start with The Rock doing an interview, uh, which is actually pretty goddamn great. Calls there Paul White the big slow. I think this is the first time he does the, the choke slam gag. Yeah, using John Cena material, but making it good. Yeah, but making it great. Um, Undertaker and Big Slow come out with Paul Bearer and kick the shit out of him. Rock, not Bearer. Um, X Pack, where you been? Tries to make the save and they kick the shit out of him as well. And he gets such a pop for the return. I was so excited to see X Pack back. And he just gets fucking clobbered and treated like an idiot. Here comes Road Dog, same thing happens, to set up Kane, who finally cleans house. I know, Ka- Kane's over, Kane's over, but fucking hell, X-Pac was so red hot, and it, was, it depressed me so badly to see him not even playing second fiddle with, like, Road It's like, X-Pac, then Road Dog. Like, other way around would have been nice. It's the least we can ask for. Yeah, yeah. Road Dog was actually shifting the merch at the time. It's like number three merch sale. I think we, we reveal on the uh, the timeline last month. Um, Still find that baffling in truth. Shawn Michaels shows a t-shirt. Next pack didn't. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Shawn Michaels shows up in a limousine. They're acting like it's going to be uh, Jesse Ventura, and then Shawn rocks up. Um, Lawler does in fact interview the governor of Minnesota, the referee for the main event of SummerSlam, Jesse the Body Ventura. What do you think of his interview here? Well, if his goal was to get himself over uh, to the modern wrestling audience, then I guess he was, he was probably happy with his work. <laughs> um, and by the way, did he mention that he's the only Navy SEAL in wrestling? He did eventually, yeah. That was his main event line. Mm. Um, just before the uh, picture of the president in the Times or whatever mm. the fucking was. Uh, yeah, this was like kind of... The whole keep it the, in, in keeping with the whole SummerSlam build, it was like part of it, and it just none of it really fit together. What had this got to do with the match that was supposed to be made? It was still still Austin and Triple H at this point. point. Yeah, uh, just going on about how the best wrestler in the world will win, and it's like I don't 
it didn't it didn't mean anything. It was just Jesse. It was a promo to put over that he was important and he's a special ref. That's no, there's nothing more to it than that. That's it. It was it was a lot of talking in riddles, I thought, because he was trying to make the point. I guess Hogan had done some kind of TV was, show yeah, movie was, about being a Navy SEAL, and he, yeah. he because he hates Hogan, obviously, so he's got to make that point. Yeah, he, he banged on for once he dropped the, the Navy SEAL line, he then yeah really rammed it home in concrete by saying how he's legit and how everyone else is fake and in this fake business. So yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was nice for him and Hogan, I guess. Uh, yeah, build, can't wait to see that match. Build that match, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finally, Triple H and China came out to save the segment, says Meltzer. Michaels came out as well. They teased with Triple H fighting Michaels and even Jesse Ventura. Um, actually, I did quite like the, the, the tease of him and Sean getting face-to-face and Sean taking off the jacket and stuff like that. Ah, oh, Sean, what are you doing on the sidelines? You could be fucking great in this environment if you weren't such a prick. <laughs> um, if, he just, if he'd returned in 2000? Yeah. Oh, with all those guys. That would have been the perfect time, yeah. Oof. Um, obviously, it wound up with uh, Ventura getting into Michael's ear and announcing a three-way with Steve Austin, Triple H, and The Undertaker for later in the show. Triple H flips his lid. Um, D'Lo Brown was training Mark Henry to get in shape. You're a continental champion, D'Lo Brown. Uh, training Mark Henry to get in shape when Henry needed to go to the bathroom in the woods. And while Brown was alone waiting for him, Jeff Jarrett gets out of a car, attacks him, Runs his head into a tree and hits him with a garbage can. This looks so bush league. How does he? How does he know where they are? He's like, right. like Mark Henry. He's not a fast man. No, I like Mark Henry. He's got a lot of you know positive attributes. Speed a foot is not one of them. <laughs> so for Jarrett to be stalking these this this pair in his white car, he must have been driving very very slow. Yeah, very slow. I'm thinking in neutral foot on the brake to stop it rolling too fast past Mark Henry <laughs> and then yeah just wait, wait for the big man to need to urinate and uh, yeah he, uh, poor old D-Lo got treed <laughs> he did he got treed um, Steve Austin was shown laid out on the steps backstage was taken out in an ambulance uh, and there's a cinder block near his head first of all Liam I'm just going to go back you, you, you mock the tree attack yes but I did. let us forget what a tree did to Randy Savage later in life so oh come dangerous. on Come on! You at least could have gone with "We've all seen Evil Dead." <laughs> that means that was what? The King it's of Shock. Show. This King of Shock Valley here today, you, Kieran. <laughs> he loves it. I don't know. We've gone. We've gone across there between the tree being a killer and a tree being a rapist. Mm. Depends the order. New lows. There's no way to really segue from this, so I'm just nope. going to kind of move on nope. swiftly and say that Shawn Michaels came out, blamed Triple H for the Steve Austin attack, and said the three-way would now be for the title shot at SummerSlam, and China will be the third person in the match. Triple H said that was stupid because China was just a girl, and she went ballistic on him and accepted. There was no pop for her accepting. I... I not wanting to play Battle of the Sexes here, I agree with Triple H wholeheartedly. It doesn't make any sense. This from Dave Meltzer... He said it was just a figure of speech and they argued about it for the next hour. I bet every guy over the age of 25 watching this show could relate to that one. <laughs> Can't say that anymore, Dave. <laughs> but yeah, not a... This, is, this starts a very... The pattern for the next two Lack weeks. Lackluster. Lackluster's not the word for it, Okay, Carl. I'm being kind. It's fucking dog shit. <laughs> it's dog shit, this is. It's all over the shop. It's just third biggest paper you... Traditionally, third biggest pay per view of the year. Yeah, still second at this point. Usually, second. really, still bigger than the Rumble okay. at this point. Okay, I was, I was in the Rumble. Um, and you've got Steve Austin, the man, the, the face of the company, the god, the god who the whole shebang is built around. 
as much as we love rock, it's Austin towing yep. the is. line. Um, and who's his opponent? What's he got to get his teeth into to build so his people will buy this pay-per-view? It was like two weeks away. Two weeks away and it's all over the shop. It's, it's, a, it's a mess and, you, and China's, China's the distraction. The needless, pointless distraction. What? Yeah, China and, is what this is being built around at the moment. And yeah, I, I don't want to sort of exaggerate or embellish because obviously they're still doing good numbers across the board but we saw in the previous month that the end of the Austin McMahon feud in theory didn't lead to you know a, the gangbusters number they were expecting no in any, in any sort of normal circumstance still a very healthy number but down from what they'd want so you'd think they'd learn a little bit from that and then you know we can't uh, we can't be so cavalier it is going to affect our bottom line to some extent indeed um, Kane and X-Pac win the tag team titles over the Acolytes and um, there is a great pop for that a great pop and actually I, I, I've skipped past the, the promo that X-Pac cuts on the Acolytes where he just says that this match is happening tonight and there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it and the crowd goes yeah <laughs> I love X-Pac as a baby so face why is he not fucking more featured uh, because he's like his personality he's just a, he's just a cool dude man he'll just roll it's, it's some fun and wrestling maybe it's just, this is the level he should have been at forever just this kind of like this number three baby face behind Austin and Rock but I love him in this role he's just he's just an, he's an incredible enhancement guy for someone else you've just got to protect him so it, when you beat him it means something yeah because he can make you look ace but he could he, could, he should you know, he could, bearing in mind fans the, love the guy the, the, the number of belts in the company and all that sort of rigmarole at the moment could quite easily be Carrying the IC bell. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. By some, yeah, by some distance. Yeah, and making it mean something. Um, after the match, Kane speaks his first words without the, the gimmick voice yeah. box saying, Suck it. Again, another huge pop. At this point, Kane. It's a great, it's a, such a great little buddy team. I love it. I love this tag oh. team. Expat Kane, you know, the human side of Kane starting to come out. People are fucking loving Kane at this point. Pack's great. I'm down with this. I love it. On the flip side, Billy Gunn has a rash on his ass because a woman who put a salad on his ass for an ass treatment because they're going to toss his salad. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. It was actually poison ivy on his ass. Apparently, this is this is the way they're going to build the top, get the next fucking top heel. By the way, Aust- this Austin, is the idea. Austin is trying to figure out if he's wrestling Triple H or China at SummerSlam or the Undertaker or the Undertaker. God, let's hope not. And The Rock is feuding with someone who has a rash on his ass. The fact, that the, the fact that the company is so hot they're able to get away with this. The Sweet Rock. Jesus. The Rock does an interview challenging the big show after the, uh, the attack earlier on. When the Millennium Clock appears on the screen and when the Millennium came out popped Chris Jericho who gave a splendid interview again to a monster pop. Oh, was it great. In, here we are in Chicago. The, the, the name flashes on the screen, one of the best moments in the history of Raw, the anticipation that we'd had for months as fans, hoping that Jericho, the one of the guys that we knew could be a star in WCW, in what was a barren wasteland of a mid-card in the you, WWF you here. You think about what we just talked about, the opponents for the top two guys yeah. for SummerSlam. God damn it. Chris? He, he should have walked into one of these matches. He should have walked He should have wrestled... Why did he wrestle Rock? He should have wrestled the Rock at SummerSlam. He probably should have gone over <laughs> to get to get to make him a fucking opponent for Austin. Well, it's SummerSlam. Rock's not doing anything for months. He's got no direction. You yeah. could have. have let him feud. Yeah. And go over first. Say what? Yeah. I, I absolutely think that was the way to go. But hey, Billy Gunn. The only flip side is 
Did they, did they want him as a... Actually, they didn't want him anyway. Well, Triple H didn't. Oh, Triple H absolutely doesn't want him being the thing. Triple H, Jericho's promo was absolutely splendid. Giving an interview, talking about WCW as a metaphor, when actually talking about the WWF, talking about how the buy rates are down, the interest is down, and no one cares anymore. Um, Rock's comeback might have been even better, says Meltzer. Uh, this was a, yeah, again, splendid stuff. Rock and Jericho, the, the magic, the chemistry there straight away. It's like, oh, fuck me. I do remember being disappointed that he was a heel. Because I, I loved him that, so much. This is what I was going to say about the, the him versus Rock is that uh, this is probably something we've learned now because of the, that change from the idea, the attitude era, the change in the psychology of the crowd um, towards the badass and stuff. That you've got to bring in stars as faces, really, because they're going to get the pop. Yeah. And then I'm like, hey, big, the big Show doesn't count in this. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't at all. But Jericho, <laughs> Jericho specific, you, you bring him in, you make him a star by treating him like a star and that's naturally going to gravitate towards the face pop to start with so yeah that's the problem is that it's another face on the on the, technically t- to get some legs out of him it's another face when you've got two hot faces already and you need to heal but it's still fucking rock yeah it's the rock the rock who beats the big show by disqualification uh, when Chris Jericho distracts the rock and then Billy Gunn attacks him and lays him out with a jackhammer so Billy Gunn the fucking comedy idiot is laying out the rock great and in your main event Jesse Ventura came out as the guest announcer. Shawn Michaels refereed the match. Uh, the three-way was mainly a brawl with Triple H uh, versus Undertaker because Taker lays out China right away and gets her out of the way. Uh, she comes back with low blows on both guys. Taker gives China a choke slam that gets booed because he, he doesn't want to... It's, it's, it's of the Hogan Judgment Day variety where he doesn't want to put down all that hard. Um, Steve Austin shows up, hits Triple H with a chair, and China pins Triple H to become the number one contender for SummerSlam. So the show goes off the air... And it's Steve Austin versus China for the belt at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the Navy SEAL is the ref. Yep. Yeah, it's it's almost as if they're try they're they're feeling charitable this week, to an extent. Yes, we've got Jericho in, but if we debut him here, it's going to be too much of a bloodbath. It's not fair. We want there to be a bit of sport in this for all of us. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to pretend to promote Austin China. And just give WCW a little bit of a leg up. The other thing is, though, Steve Austin, company badass, God among men, national treasure. Why would the babyface badass want to put China in a position where she wrestles him at SummerSlam? The Steve Austin character shouldn't care. Triple H should just win, and then Austin runs out and then beats the shit out of him afterwards with a chair. Well. In theory, <laughs> let's just play. Go on. I'm trying my own logic bomb here. Triple H had gurned and gurned and gurned about how it's his time and he's going to get this title shot and how it meant the world to him that he was going to get this. Austin, after being laid out with a cinder block, was simply trying to hurt Triple H the most by taking away the match that he wanted so bad and having it be replaced by his female lackey. True, is it even, yeah, maybe you're assuming you've been too uh, visceral? Is that, is that the right term? No, 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 it's not. I'm thinking of Viscera. Uh, <laughs> you've been too cerebral. Wrong wrestler. <laughs> Wrong nickname. You've been too cerebral with this call. Steve Austin had just had a big cinder block on, the, on his back of his head. He, he was a bit cheesed off. No, it should, should it not be that I'm not being cerebral enough. No, you're trying to be too cerebral. You're trying to you're trying to give an actual, you know, would Steve Austin, would he want to fight? All right, okay. China. Okay, I'm with you now, I'm with you. Steve Austin's been hit around the head with a brick. And he sees a chair and he thinks, fuck this shit, I'm gonna beat that guy up. And that's what it was, Steve Austin. And then he thought, and he looked down and he saw China, he thought, this will be fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> fucking prick. <Yeah. laughs> 
So yeah, <laughs> that's Steve Austin. Yeah. Triple. If anyone yeah, knows, yeah, fair enough. I'm if, sold. If anyone knows domestic disputes uh, like cause a lot of anger out to your career, Steve Austin thought this will fucking both. <laughs> this will do it. Yep. So. We talked about helping WCW give him a leg up on the ratings. Let's see how well that worked out. Raw more than doubled Nitro in six of the eight quarters, doing a 6.4 to Nitro's 3.1. Give me that six-man tag number. The biggest rating was for the angle involving Ventura, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H did a 6.9, tripling the 2.25 that WCW did with Rey Mysterio and Chat and Eddie Guerrero against oh. Chris Adams and David Taylor. Oh, I'm not taking... I'm, I blame Rey Mysterio... Chris Adams and Dave Taylor for that. The debut of Chris Joe, who did a 6.5 rating, beating a triad interview and Canyon Booker team match, which did a 2.4. So, there you go, DDP. At least Canyon now knows Jericho's better than him. (laughs) (laughs) There's a backstory here in the sense that when Jericho was on the outs with WCW, DDP loudly went around the locker room telling everybody and, and promised Bischoff, leave it with me and I'll get Jericho to re sign with WCW. Let me guess. You can fuck my wife. <laughs> Jericho said no to whatever it was that DDP offered, and then of course, and there ended up being a bit of back and forth heat on the websites of, of both gentlemen about this when DDP and Jericho started getting a little bit, back, you know, chest out about this whole situation. But anyway, Jericho six point five rating in his debut. Um, Chad Brock's performance on the night we did a two point three five. Was this cut from the network? I think it was. Yeah, this and the Kiss concert are yeah, both no, cut from the was. network. Who is Chad Brock? He was a guy who. Baseball player. No, Chad Brock was a guy. <laughs> he was a guy who he was actually did a tryout for WCW. He was just a, a, a guy who was trying to be a wrestler for WCW. Who somehow had a big country music hit in, in I guess a second career, and then because all of a sudden, hey, hey, you got a bit of fame, we'll bring you on, pay you quite a bit of money. He's basically the reverse Jeff Jarrett. And buddied up with Jeff in later years. Or maybe you just watch Jeff Jarrett. Mm, nah, but buddied up in later years. Hogan and Sting and Goldberg versus Nash, Vicious and Steiner, the, the match you were wanting the result for, 3.1. 3.1. The WF counter, Triple H, Taker, China, Michaels as ref, 6.9. Oh god, China's taking all the credit for that. Yeah, probably. Oh. 6.9 for the overrun. Ric Flair missed Nitro after returning from Japan due to a back injury but was actually asked to put over Shane Douglas clean on Nitro this week. Flair told friends that he's more than willing to lose to Chris Benoit or Billy Kidman but Shane Douglas hasn't gotten over, is drawing poor quarter hours and doesn't deserve to beat Flair. The feeling is that Flair was not asked because of business but because of the feeling from Bischoff that it would be the ultimate personal humiliation for him since for whatever reason Bischoff has never gotten over his hatred for him. Uh, as punishment for not showing up they gave the US belt to Chris Benoit off David Flair literally at the last minute as that was not part of the original plans. So after Flair said he wouldn't be on the show they took the belt off David. And then continues to talk about how much of a joke David was and how great it was to have the belt on a proper wrestler again and how Flair held everybody down and all that stuff yeah Flair had been one of the two biggest draws as a face in this company for the last couple of years until they fucking turned him heel and fucked him over yeah just for the listeners just to point that out just to belabor the point kind of like it needs it if all of a sudden Steve Austin was the heel boss and Vince McMahon it was on minimum wage. <laughs> Just one week. Though. Yeah. 
They're having major issues with plans with Steve Austin for the rest of the year. The idea for months has been that Triple H would win the championship at SummerSlam and hold the belt until the Royal Rumble, at which point Austin would regain it in time to defend the belt against the Big Show at WrestleMania. That's been the plan. Triple H, as the plan had it, would feud with Mankind over the WWF title. Meanwhile, Steve Austin would have had grudge matches at the September and October pay-per-views against Jeff Jarrett and then matches at the November and December pay-per-views against Billy Gunn. Austin, this week, outright shot down the Jarrett feud, telling management he isn't feuding with Jarrett because he isn't over enough. Uh, The WWF set the stage for the Austin-Jarrett feud over the last month or so, with Jarrett calling out Austin and Austin giving Jarrett several stunners. Austin doesn't personally like Jarrett and doesn't hold his work in high regard. He has apparently told people that he doesn't want to be the person who brings Jarrett up to a level that he hasn't been able to get to himself. He also doesn't really like the possibility, he doesn't like the possibility, of real life blending in since he currently dates Deborah. Yeah. Maybe, uh, I'm not going to say that. What do you, what do you, I've said too many things, you're going to edit from the show already, Liam. Yeah. So I think that, uh, interesting. And he also didn't want to work with Billy Gunn, as we said before. So he's, he's just, these are the, this is Russo's plan. The way this went down was Russo presented it, Austin didn't like it. This went all the way up to Vince, Jim Ross, Russo, and Austin, with Russo pitching this. Austin shooting it down and JR and Vince both signing with Austin that it wasn't good enough because why wouldn't you (laughs) based on what we've seen no disagreements about that I'm guessing how they can consider Jarrett as in any kind of position to be anything more than stunner fodder for Austin um, it's laughable boggles my mind the the gun one you understand it because at least they're trying but he's obviously failing and he's done after Brock as a serious uh, upwardly mobile guy I understand that as an idea but yeah in reality it was never going to happen after someone's plan anyway no there was a four cover TV guide story on the stands this week which somewhat accurately portrays WCW as a struggling company losing the ratings war Sting I guess says Meltzer is a bigger star than Conan because he'll get away with saying how he's been turned on four times by Nash over the last year and every time they make them buddies again he said in a TV guide that fans don't like to watch wrestling to be insulted and WCW has been insulting the fans for the past year with their storylines Hogan in the same piece claimed that the fans made him turn babyface by cheering for him when he was a heel (laughs) Uh... I love Sting Sting's great. Sting's winning me over more and more as we do this timeline. It did, um, yeah, this this month in general, this, I like the cadence of his promos too. Yeah. Just because the babyface promise and WCW so, so fucking atrocious. Actually, he's got gravitas when he talks, so I like the guys. So, yeah, yeah, Sting's delivery's pretty good. We talk about this car, about how the, the Sting rep of not being able to talk for years is a little bit unfair, we think. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think in retrospect, people are a bit cruel to, to Sting when it comes to his, uh, his mic work. It's not the absolute best in the world but it's good delivery and when you consider the shit he generally has to work with in the company you know, I'm not going to begrudge giving him his due yeah, not at all Davey Boy Smith the British Bulldog officially signed his new contract with the WWF on August 12th and on that day he and wife Diana did a lengthy interview taped for television with Jim Ross this apparently is designed to turn into a very controversial segment because it's supposed to be something of a shoot interview Publicly, up to this point, Smith has not really criticised the remainder of his family, but has somewhat stayed out of the situation with the Owen lawsuit because there is a family rift brewing over it. Reports are that David Boy Smith looks like Scott Steiner, 250 pounds and ripped, which is amazing on a lot of levels, says Meltzer. 
Of course, this interview never actually aired, never saw the light of day because of the touchy nature of what they talked about, which was... They advertise it, don't they? They advertise it, they show a clip of Jim Ross talking to them, saying this is going to be shown, and they never show it. And we are going to test that theory of just how many times you can repackage the British Bulldog. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Yeah, this this stemming from Bret Hart's comments in the Calgary Sun about how he saw a dog rolling around in shit and thought about Davy Boy. (laughs) Fantastic. It's it's a curious one, though, when we think about WWF, and it generally gives off this sort of vibrant, energetic um, nature to it. I can't help but think of the bringing the bulldog in, and I, I imagine it's got more to do with the it's got more to do with the lawsuit than I wish to give it credence. I, I'd imagine. Oh, I'm on, sure on, it's on, got on, all, on, everything on, to do with on, it on, on, on some level. Yeah, um, but it. It just on the surface it would scream as just a, a really odd hire for the sort of the, the company image you're projecting, and you you go back and bring the bulldog over and just. They sign anyone. We talked about this the nuclear arms race of talent before, and it's still going on. It's like, are they now in a position of power? So let's fucking ram it home. That com- we just talked about the absolute dearth of like main event heels for Ron mm. Austin to, to work with. And like you look at that WCW side, and like Jericho said about it, probably suit as a face coming in. There's so many, there's a lot of talent there you would take. Mm. Bulldog, mm. Neidhart aren't two of them. No. Um, if Rick Steiner was contract expired, would he get signed in a main event push? I hope not. I bet he would. I hope not. You better bet, fucking not. I bet he would. <laughs> I hope not. I like I, to think I, not. I bet he would have. <laughs> I like to think he wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past him. They'd sign anyone. Some interesting quotes from the Road Dog in the Richmond Times Dispatch this week. On Billy Gunn, he says, A great athlete, bad attitude. <laughs> On The Rock, he says, Got a big, huge shove and let it go to his head. <laughs> got a big, huge <laughs> On Bret Hart, Road Dog says, I just never understood the Bret Hart phenomenon. He was just good, not great. I wonder, say, I wonder say, who's talking through him, by the way, in all these, by the way. Billy Gunn, a, a challenging top heel, bad attitude. Rock, Malaya. big shove, let it go to his head. Uh, Bret Hart, I just get uh. <laughs> Yeah, that's as transparent as it gets right there. It is said that the long-range plan for Vince McMahon is to come back and do an angle that turns Steve Austin heel. They wouldn't be stupid enough to do that. <laughs> August of 1999, that plan was in the works. You kind of understand it. Not, there's no heels. Apart from it being ridiculous business sense at this, at this point, there's still why you'd consider it. You, you've got to consider everything, otherwise you're going to miss something. But So there's no heels. Rock is getting nuclear. and mm-hmm. He's kind of... Austin's in his way too. Neither have got anyone to work with. You just recycle talent anyway. Everyone else has gone round and round circles, so you can definitely see why they consider. Think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I was, I was not, when I was not enamoured to read that. Or was it just a bluff because he said he's not going to work with anyone? So, all right, we'll turn you. Yeah, you work with rock again. <laughs> I don't know. Carl, what do you think about this? The fact that this at this point in time, where after Steve Austin's done the feud with Vince, and clearly they're, they're, he's not working with Jarrett or Gunn and Taker is exhausted and all that stuff do you see why they think this way can you understand at all because I, I read that and I just thought I don't no. know if that's if that's a, a Russo fucking idea or if it's again if it's an Austin idea because he felt like he needed something new I don't know I mean how do you read it I, I, just, I think it's absolutely terrible once, once, oh, it once, once you get past 
the rock feud fuck do you do then to say to say <laughs> to say nothing of the fact that they've they've and yeah I know everything's almost in bloody hyperdrive where they get through storylines during during the Monday Night War period and well the attitude here in general but it was only backlash it really wasn't that long ago that we'd sort of you know, put that feud to one side to, to want to revisit it again so quickly and what's going to you know it, let's say Faustin turns heel you wouldn't have him lose straight away because then what's the benefit of the heel turn you, you're dampening him down straight away so what do you you beat the rock then what do you do where the fuck do you go from there because you've brought Jericho in as a heel Xbox you clearly don't you know there is an obvious ceiling on which you wish to treat him and Triple H isn't going to turn babyface because he knows he's going to come off second rate to the rock and in his mind he's only now just getting what he feels he deserves which at this point he clearly didn't but he, he, <laughs> he feels that way it's just awful awful idea just wanting to use Hogan and WCW as a, a, a bit of a comparison here um, not so much when it comes to an Austin turn but more the Vince turn you, know, you look at Hogan on these shows and nothing he says carries any weight there's no believability to it whatsoever because he spent four years being a prick <laughs> so why why would anybody want it you know you can understand why nothing carries any weight because of what's gone before it so think about that you do the role knowing how badly that's going you on your side of things you decide or you sort of hypothesize we're going to turn Austin heel and have Vince babyface now Austin as a character we know he can work heel he's a believable heel we, we saw that with, with Brett in the early stages and through 96 and what have you but who would believe a single word Vince says you've spent such an inordinate amount of time positioning Vince as the evil it wasn't, wasn't referring to himself as a B out this age but the evil corporate boss and you've already done a false turn with him that year anyway yeah. where you revealed he where, was in fact a where, prick where you've taken away any potential credibility you could have had for a turn to then go and do it just after the summer you're going to have the same problem no one is going to believe a word he says is going to ring hollow and who the hell wants to cheer for the boss in this environment in this time of the world anyway well this is the position they do bring him back in in the end so. did, they, did they say it would be Vince the face then uh, no, 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 he, he no. just said Vince coming back and Austin going heel. And uh, yeah, the, the idea for Vince coming back is that Austin would turn heel. So you can interpret that either way. To me, I interpret that as Vince is going to have Austin as his guy. I would say that because. Oh, okay, well, maybe. This, Sorry, just... No, just because it goes without saying the effect of the Austin turn two years later. I just. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I wouldn't have done it myself, but I can fully understand why the thought would be there. Is this something we should consider because you've got no heels Rock and Austin are they've been kept apart beautifully but you need to shoot Rock to the moon now and we saw what happened in 2000 with him so I just wonder and I'll throw it out there if they do this they do the turn the alignment two years earlier and you've got Rock there now to take over the mantle from Austin as the lead face for Austin to go off as the heel 
you need a reason, obviously. Yeah. That's the that's that's the difference to WCW is that in WCW everyone just flips sides for no no reason whatsoever. If you give them a reason, is there any value in it whatsoever? Given what Austin does going forward for the next eighteen months. Oh fuck. I don't know. That's a really hard one. I, I just think that with Austin... No, you know what? I can't remember. In my head, it's like, you know what? No. These people, are st- they still they love Austin. It's different. Okay. I don't know. I just remember because... Yeah, th- th- there's... It's, I think it's two years to say it didn't work two years, t- two years later. Yeah, it was two years down the line. The dynamic's different. It is different. The, the, uh, the fans were... It, on one hand, they were receptive to it. On the other hand, it's sac- completely sacrilegious. Um, so nothing's changed in that respect whatsoever. Yeah. In fact, you're close to when he was hottest. Yeah. So, but look, just I mean, roasting not roasting glasses with hindsight, knowing what the year 2000 was, pretty much about Austin. I, I just, I just wonder. It's an interesting wrinkle to consider. So. Uh, no, I, I understand it, but we've, you've got to take it from the premise of Austin's not getting hurt and being gone for 11 months. So looking at it through that prism, I still sit there and think, because looking at 2001, you had the same issue to an extent. I, I agree what you mean. There is a difference because of how hot The Rock is getting and Rock's not going away like he does in 2001 to, to do his, his uh, filming stint for a few months. But then you had the situation where, okay, you've turned Austin heel. There's no baby face ready for him because Triple H isn't turning. So in 99, I think you've still got the same problem. You, you have an initial program coming out of it, don't get me wrong, because Rock's there. But once you've done that turn and Austin Teal and Triple H doesn't want to go baby face, which is the same problem in 2001, at, at least initially, then I just, there's, no, there's just, to me, there's just, there's nowhere to go. There's no baby faces ready. Well, that's where it comes to, again, hindsight completely changed rewriting history, but that's. Where you face Jericho, yeah. you get a value out of him rather than floundering for however long. Mid- yeah. Dicking around with Ken Shamrock initially, being completely pointless. Well, we'll, yeah. come, we'll come to the. Yeah, we, yeah. Are, we are going to be talking about the early days of Chris Jericho uh, throughout the, re- the, the this next couple of weeks. Moving now over to Sturgis, South Dakota, where oh, it is in time to hit the road. It's Road Wild on August fourteenth. Five thousand five hundred pan- fans getting in for free, no gate. <laughs> 0.57 buy rate for 200,000 buys during the wrestling boom. Terrible performance here from WCW at the box office. And Tony Schiavone looking like the biggest cunt <laughs> you've ever seen in your life. If he's back to front, Harley Davidson Kangol-esque leather hat, denim jacket and sunglasses. Got that little bomber jacket, yeah. bit of flair to it. The, the funniest thing. And then you've got Tanae looking like a twat as well in his denim. And then you've got Bobby looking like Eminem in a black <laughs> t-shirt and baseball cap. It's yeah. funny as fuck. <laughs> I like yeah, show. it doesn't quite have the, the sort of the warm comedy feel that Heenan riding backwards on a camel did at Mania Nine, yeah. or Vincent Man with a gigantic cowboy hat at yeah. uh, some of these uh, events in Texas. Yeah, um, just th- think about that buy rate. Was that zero point five seven? Zero point five four. Zero point five four. A little bit lower. I'm, 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 I really, I really am feeling kind today. Okay, zero point five four. Think about that. In March, that buy rate's down March, by half. Five, five months earlier, they've exceeded a one for the Flair Hogan rematch. Just, it's cut in, in half in, in the middle of a wrestling boom. A you WF have, boom. Oh well, yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> but you have to be some special kind of shit to lose. <laughs> More than half 
of your pay-per-view buying audience by the summer of that year. No I mean, that me. that takes some... It, it's not surprising given what we've seen from week to week, but to, but to really go and do that, you know, you're... That's quite some achievement. <laughs> really it's is. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Just <sighs> just out of curiosity... Um, Actually, no, sorry, I don't think it ever gets better. No, <laughs> honestly. No. Um, <laughs> you talking yeah. about? I thought I for a second that number might be beaten there. I'm actually curious. I might have to do a bit of research here. 0.54. I wonder if they ever do a buy rate that good again. I... As much I'm, as we laugh I'm, at this. I'm trying to go off the top of my head, but I don't think... I think every... Not every buy rate is... is it, you know, it doesn't continuously go down. Obviously, there's a sort of petering out process. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's statistical noise, but I'm quite confident that they never do another buy rate in the 0.5 range. I'm pretty sure everything is below 0.5 from this point on. Curiosity. So you got they don't pay to get in. No. no. <laughs> there's no. There's no. There's no. There's no gate. No, there's no, no live gate. Um. I would assume, given the nature of it, there's probably not a lot of merch sold at these shows. No. Pay-per-view rate... No, I can see those bikers queuing up for the Dennis Rodman Harlem Heat t-shirt. Touché, touché. <laughs> and and your, your pay-per-view gate is through the floor, or at least half on the way to the floor, doing a great limbo impression. How low can you go? <laughs> how low can you go? Um, how much... Um, with You factor in production costs... Contracts of guys working the show, pay per view bonuses. Dennis Rodman alone. Yeah, how much did they lose off this pay per view? All in? I'm not sure. They, they, it's got to be racking up because the only the only the only income you're getting is that 0.5 whatever. Yeah. So. And, and 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 what cut of that are you, you giving yeah, to the pay per view provider anyway? So bearing that in mind, can we chalk up? The 14 million in losses just to Road Wild. <laughs> <laughs> About the only excitement from the show came in the dressing room before the show went on the air as Buff Bagwell and Ernest Miller got into an argument and came to blows before their ah, match. Awesome. Uh, apparently, the original fitness had Ernest Miller going over, but Bagwell went to Kevin Nash complaining that he was the one left laying in all the TV angles, so Nash changed the finish. Bagwell again complained about a finish where he would win with a little cradle, but then get left laying again after the match. The, match, the finish kept getting changed, getting changed, getting changed. Somehow it escalated into words between Bagwell and Miller. Bagwell overstepped his bounds and either slapped Miller in the face or threw a punch and then got decked twice <laughs> in the face by Miller. They both went to the ground. Bagwell backed off uh, from the fight saying that he needs to... Con- you know, you know, no, no, you're taking it too far, you're taking it too far after you fucking <laughs> tried to get a cheap shot in first. Uh, Bagwell ended up with a big cut on his elbow from this that was there for the match. Uh-huh. Goes without saying, Buff Bagwell's kind of a dick, but Ernest Miller's not much better from what we hear. Ernest Miller's not much better. You know, he's he's got the job because he's you know knows Bischoff. Um, but Bagwell kind of has a point here. Yeah, I'm left laying on TV every week, and I'm going to come here and lose. And on the babyface. Um, but he's, <laughs> you know, he's a dick, but he's not wrong. No, <laughs> he has a point. I fucking hate Bagwell. <laughs> At this point, it's he's over. He's fucking obnoxious. He's <coughs> the worst face in the world. He's literally him and yeah, him and Hogan. <laughs> Who's the worst baby face at this point? <laughs> um, Ernest Miller. If he had like two percent of talent, he might be my favourite wrestler of all time. <laughs> but unfortunately, he doesn't. No, um, no but that, that would have been if he'd knocked out DDP at this stage. That would have been great. Oh, Tommy Dream. Oh God. Um, 
just making fancy ask you booking yeah. um, but he does crack me up when he says rednecks you rednecks <laughs> that cracks me up so I, I don't completely hate Ernest Miller no, despite his useless abilities yeah. in the ring and, his, his dancing's quite funny and, at times and, yeah, I, he does do some funny things yes he does in your main event Hulk Hogan <laughs> beats Kevin Nash to retire him the last match of Kevin Nash how, how sad we all are uh, Mark Madden on the web broadcast the WCW web broadcast of the Hogan Nash match instead of calling it loser must reti- retire was calling it loser gets time off <laughs> <laughs> showing how much he gave a fuck <laughs> the only good match on the show was Benoit by himself beating uh, Dallas Page who had all the tried at ringside uh, pretty good stuff they called Sid the Millennium Man days after Chris Jericho had uh, debuted at the end of the countdown the Millennium yep. Sid is your mon- Millennium Man uh, they are pushing him as undefeated when he's lost lots on television and Sid pins Sting clean with a chokeslam here on this show a fucking awful Randy Savage versus Dennis Robin match on this show what are you talking about four Rodman re- was like a man of a thousand and seven holds are you he's kidding the greatest me? wrestler of all time according to Shivani oh yeah I thought four he... ref bumps and a portable toilet <laughs> <laughs> I thought he rebounded quite well oh fuck off <laughs> Get out of here. At the end of the day, what the fuck do you expect? (laughs) Yeah, this show's bad. Randy Savage blew up at WCW after the pay-per-view, claiming that Hulk Hogan was trying to sabotage his career. His basic claim was that it was Hogan who made the call to drop the Humvee driver angle. He claimed that Hogan had elevated Sid Vicious into his spot as the lead heel, plus all of their usual past-love-hate relationship going back nearly 15 years, which always comes up whenever Savage and Hogan have problems. Savage then missed the uh, next episode of Nitro the next day and is refusing to attend house shows considering himself on strike. I'll bet he was paid during this strike. I'll bet he was too. <laughs> it's surprising really, Sid. You think with their, you know, softball, baseball backgrounds they get along, but... You would think so. It's a shame. Shame really. Yeah. It's, it's the old underarm versus overarm thing. Is that what thing. it is? Yeah. Kind of like War of the Roses. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> One day later, we move to Monday Night Raw here. Triple H is out to start the show. He brings out China and he kisses her ass and puts her over, asks for a number one contendership, wants a match. She says no. Triple H said that he made her and called her an ungrateful bitch. <laughs> he starts off, uh, remember that time I bought you the flowers and we celebrated? Wasn't that great? Wasn't that great? <laughs> yeah. My arse schmoozing here from trips. Well, he excels at it. He yeah. does, he does. Uh, says he's not asking, he's telling. He's having the match. China says that Triple H doesn't have the balls to beat her. I'm loving this build. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be one hot summer night. The Undertaker and Big Chef come out and do a bloody awful promo where The Undertaker talks about how he left the Big Show in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> The worst and greatest thing of all time. This story. (laughs) He's a proper fucking Moses on the mountain telling the story. Did Moses tell stories on the mountain? He did now. The Sermon on the Mound. I said, big man. (laughs) (laughs) I was the only film. And you give him half the gas in his bike. Half a tank of gas in his bike. (laughs) I left him. What you gonna do? Because I'm gonna wake you till you're asleep and I'm gonna skin you alive and steal your bike, whoever. Yeah. (laughs) And take us. I said, good luck, and I drove off. <laughs> like, is this supposed to be hilarious, or is it supposed to be serious? Yeah. It's terrible. And he, came, he said he came back wearing snakeskin boots from a snake in It's like bear, bear skin from a baby and carrying the bike over his shoulder or something like that. 
This is awful. On the road again. <laughs> this is awful. Um, when will people learn? Nothing good ever comes from wrestling and the desert. Ask <laughs> Ric Flair. Chris Jericho arrives at this point in the promo and absolutely buries it six feet deep. He said the only thing scary about The Undertaker and Big Show is how much TV time they get and they call, he calls The Undertaker the personification of boredom. Yeah, I'm sure that went down. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, there, were no, there were no ramifications from that. The crowd popped huge, by the way, for Jericho burying Taker, which is what fucking made it even better. Taker warns Jericho in return not to interrupt him and Jericho leaves the stage. Of course, you mentioned about how this did wonders. Shawn Michaels was backstage for this and uh, as he I think at one point pulled Jericho aside and said the next time you get a chance to do a promo with the top heel in the company try not to call him boring (laughs) word to the wise there from Shawn Michaels why is he he was brought in opposite Rock week before and now he's opposite Taker straight away they don't know what they're going to do with Chris Jericho do they no of course they don't at this point he's still 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 involved with uh, top stars at this point He's involved with them, but not really. And then how quickly this ends, because uh, he then bumps into Howard Finkel backstage afterwards who offers to buy him a drink. So this is the start of mid-card Chris Jericho. <coughs> um, so breaking down any walls at the moment. No, not exactly. Um, China beats Triple H uh, when Mankind makes his surprise return. So China is still the number one contender. Mankind takes the mic and asks to wrestle China for the number one contendership, but she low blows him in response. Uh, Shawn Michaels appears and makes the match official so later tonight number one contender we still don't know who's going to wrestle Austin this Sunday at the pay-per-view Mankind versus China is now the match that's going to determine Austin's opponent thoughts on this build were you happy to see Mankind back Carl fighting around with China at at this point I'm amazed that they remembered that Triple H is the one who'd left him laying in the first place months ago yeah you wouldn't put it past them to have forgotten about that no not at all at least there's some logic there but um yeah, six days away. Don't know who the number one contender is. Buy the show. Yeah. Please buy the show. Kane and X-Pac beat the Acolytes, who get their heat back, if you can call it heat, uh, after the match. Uh, the big shot, Bob Holly comes out and says the WWF has backed him into a corner, so he's taking it upon his super heavyweight self to bring in his cousin Crash. Uh, they, of course, end up fighting right away, and uh, they end up fighting out the show at one point on top of a truck yes. fighting each other which is quite good I was quite sad here because this was like the end of Bob being involved with any kind of important players at all not that I was like longing for him to get a chance or anything like that but it's like the comedy is in him being out of his depth and now he's back at his depth yeah there's still some funny bits along the way I suppose him and Crash are, are funny together I do like Crash Crash is quite great in his role um, Mankind beats China to become the number one contender clean Thanks for that build up for China. That's now over with. Yeah. Triple H then attacks Mankind straight afterwards. Shawn Michaels and Shane McMahon come out, and Shane says it will be Triple H versus Mankind tonight. Shawn Michaels says it'll be no holds barred, and they'll both be referees. Did not did the last match not determine the number one contender? Apparently not. Three now. Three. Yes. Miss- now, hadn't we established months ago that it was only the commissioner that could make matches? I, I, I distinctly remember Shawn saying that in a promo. Yeah. But don't worry. And, and what happened to Shane McMahon's biggest priority being test? Don't worry. Don't worry. Okay. Because if you're worried about what's going to be hot for SummerSlam, Mr. Ass is back, saying he has an allergic reaction to his ass treatment that we saw last week. The Rock comes out and reveals that he was behind it. Brings out the, the masseuse. Tells her to pancake her ass out of the building when he's finished with her. And then cuts the promo on Billy Gunn, where again he makes him look like a complete tit and sings his theme song, I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> which I remember vividly because it was awesome. They brawl. Billy Gunn gets the better of it and shoves The Rock's face into the side of his ass. So uh, that's Billy being put over again. Uh, yeah, beating up The Rock for the second week in a row. The Rock didn't job. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't job for a change. Yeah, but he was. Yeah, they they gave Billy Gunn enough here to give him a chance to get over. They gave Billy Gunn here more than they ever should. They did indeed. Yes. And in your main event, Shawn Michaels in those shorts is refereeing a match. A uh, good little brawl ends in a double pin with Shawn saying that Foley won, Shane saying Triple H won. Steve Austin's on commentary, flips them both off to end the show. It's announced it's going to be a triple threat match, Hot Shot Central. Holy fucking Christ, how can you be excited for the main event after all this? Um, this is about six months worth of challenges and top line matches rammed into like a week or two. Just a, this, this weird fucking way to get into this. Why don't they just add Foley to the match? I don't, this is the thing. You have him attack Triple H and just add him to the match the, why the, do they need to do this the, the China stuff was it like, why I just, what, there's unless, no reason to tease her being in it they didn't even uh, in the end they just eliminate her from it anyway yeah the, the only assumption you can make is and she's back with Triple H that's the thing yeah. if, it was, if it was to expedite a split between those two to get the, the heel focus on Triple H which is probably the right move given the, the way it's going at this point but it wasn't so it no. was just it was just filler it was just like it was like they had it planned and then Foley turned up oh shit I forgot we had Foley under contract yeah it's put me in later in the show we'll yeah. change everything around and he put he was planned a week before this so <laughs> mind-bogglingly absurd yeah, absurd like you say it's, it's not even a vehicle to split up Triple H in China uh, you, you can only assume it's just a case of it's a bit of Triple H pulling some sort of power play in a sense just saying you know Give my piece some focus. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought so too. Over on Nitro, head to head with this hot shot episode of Raw. We open with Sid. Actually, no. First of all, let me correct this. We open saying that Sid is now fifty-five and zero, which it's, it's not even pushed as like the commentators are. Oh, this guy's a dick. He's not Goldberg. He's pretending to be. No, they're. This He's 55 and is, it's, it's This is real, man. <laughs> this is legit. Okay. They announced that it's going to be Hogan versus Sid for the title in the main event. We get Lash, LaRue, and Hogan 2 Grove, which goes two minutes, having a decent match. Sid shows up, beats them both up, and says he'll do this all night long until Hogan comes out for the title match. I wasn't sure if he was aware that they'd announced the title match He's just already. Well, yeah. you got to remember, he has only half the brain that Kevin Nash does. That's true, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And this is the theme of the show: Regal versus Riggs. Two minutes, Sid destroys them both. At That's one, probably for the best. At one point, he power bombs Laparkle on a bag of popcorn. Mysterio Lenny Lane. Two minutes, Sid shows up. Lou did have a sign with him actually that said "We dive with Greg Laganus," which I thought was quite <laughs> quite funny. And if, yeah, and by the way, during all these shenanigans, his record is going up. Apparently so. Somehow. Yeah, we'll get to that. So Sting makes the save finally. He was going toe to toe with Sid when Hogan limped out. He can't put any weight on his leg without it buckling. It looks fucking awful. Um, he beats up Sid. Hogan does, of course. And challenges Sting to a title match next week, which Sting accepts. By this point in the show, they had Sid's winning streak, for some reason, up to 59. Because, as Heenan noted, he's beaten up nine people on this show. When it started at 55, I know. Why, why is the champion issuing challenges? To the guy who lost on the pay-per-view. Yeah. Well, I think he's going to beat him quite easily. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, Hogan is a dick. He's got to get a win back. We've established this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't want to sound like I'm giving it too much credence, but it's the fact that the, the commentators 
sort of, you know, in a sort of deadpan fashion, treat this streak seriously. I just sit there and think, could you be more anti Jim Ross? You're more anti Jim Ross, and you completely under. Again, to me, like, like I said, I'm maybe giving it too much credence, but it's this sense of it's completely undercutting Goldberg again. Yeah, it completely devalues the the streak that went before it. And well, the whole idea of this is yeah. to build to Goldberg. I said, the, yeah, yeah I said the only point to this gimmick is to build to Goldberg beating him. Yeah, there's better ways to do it. Um, in terms of the commentary again, yeah, the, the hyperbolic nature of where and the cheese dick nature of calling the Millennium Man. <laughs> well, obviously. Well, don't even know what. What does that even mean? It's the wrestling business. Well, as he says, in the year two thousand, no name will be spoken oh, louder than Sid Vicious. No, no, it's, it's brilliant. It says, in the year two thousand, Hogan will be gone, Nash will be gone, Goldberg will be gone. And he goes to all these guys, and they'd all be gone. Blobs still be here. It's like <laughs> kind of right, actually. Yeah, actually, who headlined Starcade two thousand? Yeah, it's Sid. Yeah. Um, what's he? Uh... Yeah, but again, just to reiterate, this the authenticity. Of what your lead commentator says. Mm. We mentioned it like last week and we talked about the t- heel turns of when Cole goes heel, went heel, and it was like, um, obviously not an issue, um, how detrimental that is to the overall yeah. product. And there's n- Jim Ross, the absolute, when he speaks, it's it's the truth. That yeah. is, when Jim Ross says something, it is true. His opinion, his perception is true. He cuts through the heel, play face divide kind of thing. Shivani is, okay, so the streak's real, the sister streak's real. Hogan, it's the greatest thing he's ever seen. He can't believe how amazing it is that Hogan... He's back in the red and yellow. And he's just a completely different person. And he's back, he's back. And Heenan's like, he's never been away. And it's like... (laughs) (laughs) The fuck am I watching? (laughs) So you just don't believe anything else. (coughs) Kidman comes out with an interview with Mean Gene. Uh, basically to plug the Nitro Girls pay-per-view says that Kimberly Page is the hottest of the bunch true yep um, he also gets in the line where Gene asks him about his friendship with uh, Eddie Guerrero Conan and Rey Mysterio <laughs> and he gets in the line about how they're just a bunch of filthy animals who like to party and chase the chicks yeah I didn't believe that line no <laughs> girls did pop for it though in the crowd yeah I mean there's you know there's ways of saying apparently it. They, they were lobbying for this group for like months until Nash eventually just got sick of them fucking asking for it fine do your fucking filthy animals and that, that was the extent of the booking genius there from Big Kev um, of course DDP comes out getting pissed off that he mentioned Kim Paige just fucking buries Kim in this match yeah. kicks the shit out of him all over the ring has him pinned at one point and pulls him up off the mat I think he actually did it several times and then picks up to deliver the, uh, the final diamond cutter in which case Kim sneaks behind him O'Connor roll gets the pin and then DP gets immediately, Diamond Cuts the ref, Diamond Cuts Kidman, fucking just destroys him, hang, whips him with Little Nature's belt and then chokes him until Kimberly comes and makes the save. And this Boy, Paige really put Kidman over here, says Meltzer. And this actually made the cut of the greatest moments in WCW Nitro Volume 1. This Who is released a, This is on the DVD release. Who released it? WWF. They're having a laugh. I just assumed it was they had nothing else to put on here I just they, must have seen, they must have looked at Nitro said fucking hell and pretty thin on the ground well, well, this, is, this is volume one I've, I've never watched volume two I kind of dread to think what's on it this is terrible this is absolutely what a terrible this made him like such a job yeah. they, can't, they can't fucking do this so now this elevating you, town thing they don't know what they're yeah, doing though now that you mention DDP does do the segues for the DVD so that maybe has something to do with it mm. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll do it but I want this on there Every single one of these top guys is just a bunch of pussies that can't put anybody over because they're also afraid of how little it'll make them mean while they're getting their fucking asses kicked by Rodney on the other channel. How, how little 
can you mean any less at this stage, really? Right, well, well, you can't, you can't, the numbers will show that. Well, I suppose you know, it means the peak gas, but, yeah, you know. By this stage... Goldberg beats Barry Windham in 30 seconds with the spear and the jackhammer after laying out all the rednecks, apart from Hennig, who wasn't there. Like, good! good. Sort, of, sort of thing you should do with Goldberg. The, the crowd reacted huge as this is the role they want Goldberg playing, says Meltzer. They do, they pop huge for this. He just fucking spears Kendall out of his boots, fucks up Duncan, and then there you go, spear a jackhammer for fat Baz and it's over. Kurt Hennig, who by the way, never seems to be around when Goldberg's beating up uh, people <laughs> in his group. Have you ever noticed that? He did job to Goldberg once. Once. Hey. After he fucking uh, faked an injury to get out of putting him over yeah. like three times before. For this for this motley crew at WCW, that's quite the achievement to get one job out of someone. Yeah. Saturn beats Bam Bam Bigelow when the Triad and Revolution got involved. Bigelow was also really upset before the show about having to do a job for Saturn. Oh, I mean, Bigelow's been coasting since, well, 97. Yeah, since he got there. <laughs> Actually, no, yeah. Basically been coasting since post-Taz feud. Another guy who, who loves putting people over. Brian Adams gets beaten up by the NWO geeks after saying that him and fucking Vincent are going to go against Harlem Heat. We get NWO black and white, which is indeed a thing still at this point, apparently against Harlem Heat Adams makes the save and leaves in a limo with Kiss written on the license plate this is not on the network because uh, again all Kiss even though they, I think they do the mentions of Kiss are on there because they're in the commentary but uh, the Kiss on the license plate and the performance are not on the network so just for those of you who might be listening in um, and finally in your WrestleMania 8 main event again Hulk Hogan beats Sid in a shit shit main event when there was a run in believe it or not for Rick Steiner and the fans just pelt the ring with garbage. Now, here's the interesting thing. They pelt the ring with garbage, and Hogan, I think this was on the fly, throws Rick Steiner's throat's boot and leg drops and pins Rick Steiner. Yes. Little Nate looks at it, throws his arms in the air like, what the fuck am I going to do, and counts the pin. The fans are not impressed. They are throwing shit in the ring as soon as Rick Steiner, and, I, and trust me, I would too. Yeah, but the, the only person I feel sorry for in this situation is Little Nate. But, uh, yeah, other, other than having self-sympathy, yes. It's, just, it's the sort of treatment Rick Steiner deserves. Do you think this is on the fly? I reckon that... I have no no doubt this was the plan. To have Rick come in and take the pin? Yes. It's a oh, fucking yeah. idiot. <laughs> of course. Of course it was. Because it doesn't matter, send them home happy. Oh yeah, they looked it. The actual results doesn't matter. I get, I get, I get the Hogan leg drop. I get the one, two, three, and that's that break because it's, it's all, it's all, it's just a visionary Liam. Mm, of course it is. That's why the, the little nature hands in the hair. That, that, that's, that's all part of the production. So, ah, well, so no, what? Well, it's no, just, it's I, a Hogan show. Yay! No, I, I was going to say, I, 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 probably one of the more likely scenarios is the fact that this was the plan, but nobody told Charles Robinson. <laughs> she just stood there yeah. ringing. Oh, shit! Okay, better count. Paste. By a series of number one contenders matches that drew huge quarter hours, Raw was back up to a 6.6 rating this week. Nitro did a 3.3. Exactly half. Uh, the WF first drew a monstrous 7.3 quarter hour, which featured both the China Triple H match along with Jericho uh, confrontation with The Undertaker. The Mankind China match did a 7.1, while the Mankind vs. Triple H match did a 6.1 final quarter. And the overrun, which went unopposed for the final three minutes, grew to a 7.1 as well. There was very little in the way of good news for Nitro. <laughs> 
says Dave Meltzer. There was any? Other than a relatively strong showing of the Hogan-Sid main event, promoted heavily throughout the show, which did a whopping 3.6 final quarter and a 4.3 overrun. See, uh, you can picture Hogan the next thing. See, brother, it's working. Slow moving, but the wheels are turning in the right direction. Positive momentum. 3.3, back up from the previous week's 3.1. The comeback's on. I don't think anybody wants to add any more no, to that. I, no. I was just going to say, here comes the cavalry. Unfortunately, it appears to be led by Rick Steiner. <laughs> Steve Austin has become the subject of a lot of talk in the past week with his various injuries, his probable, almost assured dropping of the WF title at SummerSlam, and stories regarding him becoming harder to deal with. Austin has been out of action since the end of July when he suffered a badly bruised shin which was first feared to be broken and what turned out to be the most serious of all the injuries, a torn TCL in the back of his knee. Before the knee tear was diagnosed, it was just believed that Austin would only miss a weekend, but now he's expected to be out of action indefinitely with the exception of SummerSlam. Surgery was not recommended for the knee tear, but at least one month of serious rehab was suggested before he returns to action. According to WWF officials, it's a total roll of the dice as to how much Austin's knee will be able to take at SummerSlam. There's a lot of conjecture that the ultimate finish will involve Triple H beating Mankind as opposed to Austin and thus backdoor his way into the title, which would not get him over anywhere near to the degree that beating Austin for the belt would have. Unlike Austin, Rock, Undertaker and even Mankind, Triple H needs every break he can to go his way to be accepted as a real champion. Thankfully it would. (laughs) Um. So, Austin is injured. Quite badly, and at this point, it is believed he's not going to be back until October tenth. And if if your concern is what you can do with a singles match because of the I don't know, in terms of the timeline for diagnosing the injury there, but again, if if your concern is, oh God, a singles match could be the shits with these two because of Austin's knee. Let's get mankind in there. No problem with that. There's better, but again, there's better ways to do it than they did. But I'm not even sure that that's the rationale for this, is it? In truth, I'm, I'm not. I'm, it's one of those sort of. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think about the old chicken and egg analogy. Which, which came first? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of kind of speculation about the reason for, for mm. all of this going on right now, and obviously we'll talk about that more with SummerSlam approaches. Apparently, the plan for the Humvee driver a couple of weeks ago was to get Carmen Electra, Dennis Rodman's ex-wife, to show up either on Nitro or at Road Wild. They appeared to have a deal at $200,000 for one appearance, enough so that they had Savage do that interview on Thunder to build up the return of the angle. But it must have fallen through. A dollar, <laughs> a dollar for each pay-per-view buy. Yeah, there you go. Let's piss away some more money. Why not? Kevin Nash, the recently retired Kevin Nash, is scheduled to return with Scott Hall as the outsiders in about six weeks. I guess the idea will be that they aren't in WCW and crashing the show like they were in 1996 as the explanation of him coming back so soon. The original plan was for Hogan and Bischoff to turn heel together on the August 23rd uh, Nitro in Las Vegas. Hogan donning the red and yellow was the booking committee's idea to convince fans that Hogan wasn't going to turn heel, since judging from the crowd reactions, the fans don't trust him as a face yet, and his turn would have come as no surprise. There has also now been discussion of bringing Bret Hart back as a heel. Look everybody, here's Bret Hart whose brother died a few months back. Boo him! There is now, there is now no locked in date or program for Bret Hart's return, and the originally planned program and scenario with Hogan has been dropped. Just let him fucking stay at home. 
Moving along to some more happy campers in WCW, Raven has been vociferous about his unhappiness with WCW. He was on Mancow in Chicago and ripped the company, claiming they use camera tricks to make it appear that some wrestlers aren't as over as they really are. And talked about how the same problems, uh, sorry, and talked about the same problems that everyone else talks about. He also went on the ECW website and said he'd rather, rather be working for them. <laughs> he tells a lot of people that when his contract is up, which is in about 10 months, he's gone. So, uh, the rats are all trying to get off the sinking ship. August 22nd. It's WWF SummerSlam. It's finally here. The big match we've all been waiting for for six days has finally arrived. 17,370 people sell out the building. A 1.61 buy rate for 600,000 buys. Slightly down from last year. And they were expecting, apparently, that this SummerSlam is going to be the best buy rate for SummerSlam of all time. Because if last year did just over 600,000 this year with the company being so much hotter with the Jesse Ventura mainstream attention that it got that this buyout would be huge and uh, as it turns out no less than last year because surprisingly enough you need a main event yeah imagine that you know the the, the, the good sort of solid well basically two months worth of build from King of the Ring through to SummerSlam last year got a better buy rate than the match that's been billed for six days Despite the fact that you've got that well-known crossover appeal of wrestling fan and political activist. Of course. <sighs> Fucking... Mm. Mankind winds up as the WWF champion coming out of the main event, a decision that was apparently made a few days before the match because of the internet reports that took it as a given that Helmsley was winning the belt by beating Mankind and blaming Austin for not doing the job in a situation that he may have never actually refused to do a job in the first place. There was a lot of talk within wrestling in the days leading to the show about Shawn Michaels, who of all people should not talk about people who don't do clean jobs to lose titles, getting in Triple H's ear and Austin refusing to do the job. Uh, at the end of the week, the decision was made for Austin to do the job to Mankind for the double surprise of the expected finish. Uh, there was good heat for the post-match of Triple H injuring uh, Austin's knee. Uh, but other than that, just a weird reaction for the win. Oh, this reaction was... 5% of the crowd happy that Mix won the title. Yeah! 95% of this crowd not happy because Steve Austin has lost. Yeah. Real, not a nice... It's just obviously a it's, there's no. It's just another directionless turn for this company. It's like, oh, what, hang on a minute, what's this? Austin did the job as well, so it's like in in a, in a in a relatively clean fashion. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. took, took a pedigree, he took a double arm DDT, and he got beat. Uh, I wonder if maybe that's part of the surprise. I mean, if, it, well, it's yeah. it's it's the it's the fact of not even just the fact that he, he sort of lost cleanly. The notion of you see it with the pedigree. Now everyone knows that's 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 a finish. So maybe if Foley tosses Triple H out of the ring and, and and pins him sort of quick sort of thing, you sort of back door that way. But then to go to the double arm, you sort of sit there. Double arm DDT hasn't beaten anyone ever in this company, so that won't be the oh oh wait hold on mix mix one. Huh? Austin's been pinned. Yeah. What's going on? Very strange vibes. Mm. Uh, Jesse Ventura swearing liberally uh, in this match. At one point, throwing Shane Man on the top rope and saying, that's real man, you little bastard. (laughs) And Steve Austin gets tied up in the ropes as he tries to give give, give the mouth to Shane, which is hilarious. Um, Jeff Jarrett becomes your new Eurocontinental champion after Mark Henry uh, turns on D'Lo. 
I was crestfallen. I was very disheartened by this. You know, it's it's the breakup of the world's greatest bromance. Um, and yeah, I, I assume it's some sort of make good to old Double J because Austin doesn't want to work with him, perhaps. But oh yeah, this is Vinnie yeah, There's some giving this boy a hand here. I'm not going to suggest that D'Lo Brown's going to be you know top company babyface in the main event picture or anything like that. But there's some momentum behind him. And his reactions were getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, they were improving week to week. People start to see him as a star. And yeah, now you just yeah. Do this. R- run with this a bit. Instead, you've given him a two-week title reign. Yeah. Flip side. Flip side is you got no heels, and Billy's about to fail. <laughs> so need someone. In which case, have D'Lo beat Billy as well. True that. Also, also though, the Mark Henry turn does explain the coinkydink. Of the bathroom break it and does. The, uh, attack. the attack into the tree. So, yeah, so that's like that's tied up now. Neat little package. Well, I'm, I'm, <clears> I'm glad that Russo applies some logic there, where it really fucking matters. Tit. Test and Shane McMahon have a great match on this show. The Greenwich Street fight with the posse at ringside on the couch. Uh, this is the making of Test. Oh, it exceeded crowd, all expectations. The crowd is getting into Test more and more on Raw as the weeks go by with this storyline with uh, with uh, with Steph. But yeah, this is this is good stuff here. And test feel this feels good coming out of this for test. I wonder if people listening have just heard that and think you like misspoke. No, oh, hang on. A, a love story with Stephanie McMahon was getting this guy over as a babyface. Yeah, yeah. Think about that, people. Yeah. <laughs> the posse were great. Posse were great. But I, Shane McMahon, Setty at ringside, yeah. champagne. Shane's a bump machine in this match. He's working really hard. Test is on point. I'm sure they rehearsed this a lot. But two two buddies here, Test and Shane, having a good match. Test looks like a future star, I thought, coming out of this. Let's see where that goes. <laughs> the Rock pins Billy Gunn. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Reports are that Rock was very upset working with Billy Gunn midway through this match, and this contributed to a somewhat disappointing performance. In fact, he pretty well made clear on commentary the next night when he tried to categorise Billy Gunn with Gangrel and the Brooklyn Brawl as wrestlers <sighs> on the level that he shouldn't even be booked with. This this is bit that there's a splash in the corner that Billy Gunn does where he just lands right on Rock's face and busts his nose open, and that's the point where Rock's like, "Fuck this fucking guy." Yeah, I was going to say the suggestion of something went wrong part midway through the match, and that's why it didn't work, or it could just be that Billy Gunn shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jericho makes a cameo on this show talking to the Road Dog, a massive demotion from dealing with Taker uh, on Raw. So. Not looking so good here. see where that's going. Yeah, and it's not good. The next day, before we get to Raw and Nitro, we've got a big meeting to talk about here because Eric Bischoff calls all the guys together before Nitro on August 23rd in Las Vegas and begins singling out various wrestlers for public tongue lashings. He began by saying that he was going to turn things around and only wanted wrestlers in the company who wanted to be there. His first target was Raven, who he yelled at for his remarks negative to the company publicly on the man cow shed that we talked about earlier. He offered Raven a release if he didn't want to be there, and Raven got up and walked out. <laughs> I fucking love Raven. Target number two was Conan, who he yelled at for going on the Pieta house show, uh, talking to him on the West Texas Rednecks, and using the line, you guys haven't had pussy since pussy had you. (laughs) (laughs) Conan apologised for the remark, but Bischoff offered Conan and anyone else who wanted one a release. Bischoff apparently felt that the wrestlers, despite their complaints, uh, when faced with their decision, would not opt to walk out on their big money contracts. Bischoff then went after Rey Mysterio for, on Thunder, asking if Lenny Lane was going down the Hershey Highway. 
He followed that up by yelling at Buff Bagwell for his crybaby behaviour that led to the fight with Ernest Miller uh, before Road, Wi- Road Wild, and then yelled at the public enemy because they complained loudly about being asked to do a squash job in a handicap match to Sid. Bischoff said if anyone has the balls, they can get out of their contract right then. Ric Flair, who apparently has been trying to get out of his contract for ages, without success, wasn't there for this. Ah. As the night went on, Raven, Conan, Rey Mysterio, Billy Kibben all asked Bischoff for their release and calls were made to Terry Taylor in the WWF and to Paul Heyman of ECW. Raven was the only one of the four that was interested in going to ECW. Nobody else asked for a contract release. When Raven went to WCW's lawyer about getting the release, they brought up a 90-day non-compete clause, which Raven noted Bischoff had said nothing about in his offer. In a later conversation, Bischoff told him he'd release him to go to ECW, but it was a conditional release and he wouldn't let him go to the WWF for the remainder of his WCW contract. Raven brought up that Bischoff made no such restrictions at the meeting. Bischoff also told Kim that he didn't give him two years of TV time to allow him to walk over to the WWF. But a few hours later, Bischoff changed his mind again when confronting Kibben at the bar and told him he could have a full, unrestricted release. It is believed that by the next morning, the story had changed once again. There was WWF interest in all four of these guys. Bischoff later asked Raven what it would take to get him to stay. Raven said that he wanted to be one of the top ten guys in the company and noted that none of the top ten guys would put the younger talent over. The other three are basically in bad political straits now, because they made their move of asking for a release, but Bischoff, who had his bluff called, reneged on his statement to let them go, and now they're all stuck together with a lot, with a lot worse feelings. Oh well. Many have complained that Bischoff went after the mid-carders who were vocal and complaining publicly, but didn't go after the big stars like Sting, who was critical of the company in the USA Today that we talked about, and was also uh, critical of, uh, not critical of Randy Savage not being called out on the carpet, since he walked out on the company and has missed the last eight days after doing questionable angles on his own without approval from the company, and using questionable language on television that was banned by Bischoff. Oh, fucking hell. This is a state. Yeah. Pretty much boil it down to one he does. Bischoff tried to call the bluff, got his own bluff called by a couple of the guys. And panicked. And, and thought, oh, fuck, well. <laughs> forget about this. <laughs> I'm off fishing. Yeah. God damn. So, obviously, after that big meeting at, uh, right before Nitro, we moved to Nitro on August 23rd. This is in Las Vegas. Bret Hart was not booked for Nitro, and there's no definite plan for his return at all. The best guess is now sometime in September says Melter, so that's the update on him. Sid ran in on more matches, is still apparently undefeated despite losing last week. What's the number? And the numbers still don't add up. I don't know, is it like 73 or something now, I think? 75, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, Paige did a promo talking about Goldberg. Great. Sting came out and Luger came out with him. Uh, Luger was wearing loose clothing and long sleeves, and with his ego, that means he's not in good enough shape yet for his return. Uh, Luger told Sting that he shouldn't trust Hulk Hogan. Mike Tanay interviewed Eric Bischoff, who was driving a Hummer, dun, 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 who said the internet rumours were false and he's not going to be named the president of WCW. They've been doing an angle where they announced the president would be named on this show, by the way, so that was that, that went nowhere. Sage advice from Luger, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Don't trust Hogan's thing. Uh, Goldberg versus Page never got going. Uh... Bigelow hit Goldberg with a trash can, but he no sold it in the aisle. Uh, and then when Goldberg, they tried, the trap tried to take over on Goldberg, who made his own comeback, and he fucking murdered Canyon with a spear that was so ace, and Paige just ran off through the crowd. Goldberg looked ace here. Yeah. Same old, just kill fucking people, and he looks ace. Line them up for him. Line them up. Feed the monster. We air the music video for Good Old Boys by the West Texas Rednecks. Kieran, your thoughts? Um, 
Wow. What can you say? They also did that hokey concert as well, by the way. Which oh, great. yeah, the concert, they, they, they were much tighter in their fake performance than they were with their first fake performance. Um, Just the nerves of the Georgia Dome, that's all it was. Yeah, it, I guess so, big, big performance. What more can you say? They got an old hound dog and a pickup truck, and they like long legged women who know how to love. <laughs> love. 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 Yeah. Anyway, so. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Obviously, they thought they needed a bit more uh, bass in this band, so they're going to go. Uh, Some... They're going to go down a colourful route in weeks to come. I predict. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobs and the Barbarian and Hugh Morris beat Malenko, Satin, and Shane Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> this is after a Rick Steiner run-in. Um, Benoit then beats Rick Steiner by disqualification. Benoit went fucking miracles, by the way, in this match. Yes. God damn. I get the feeling this revolution's not really taking off. No, not at all. The Wyndhams win the tag belts. I couldn't... I, I, as I watched this, I wrote down, I bet a fucking pound to a pinch of shit Dusty Rose booked this match. And sure enough, Dust, there's a story in The Observer. Dusty, Kevin Sullivan, Mike Graham all got a ton of heat because the Wyndhams were given the belts when they weren't over because they're all Florida boys together from the old days of uh, near the, uh, the Florida Territory. So there you go. Mike fucking Graham. Yeah. Everyone's favourite. Shivani was screaming like the Hogan versus Sting match was an all-time classic. We are, of course, that is the main event for this show. Hogan versus Sting. Very 80s style match. Kind of boring. Um, but Shivani sounded like it's fucking great. The near fall, there's stuff near the end. It's starting to kind of get a little bit of attraction as they play with their signature spots. Hogan misses the leg. Shades of WrestleMania 6, Carl. What are your thoughts on this match? <laughs> Do you want to have a guess what the finish was? Oh, Go on. Hogan gives up in the Scorpion Deathlock. No. Sid and Rick Steiner ran in for a no contest. Did the, the, did the garbage soon follow? It did, and the fans started yeah. groaning all over again. Goldberg and Luger ran in for the save, and Hogan offered Sting a rematch. During the week, there was... Oh, this is god-awful. Oh, yeah. They're in the ring together. All, all four of them. All four of these fucking mega babyface titans. And oh, Hogan. And, he's the only one who's honest. I love Luger at this point. Yeah, he's the only one who's honest, and he's the only one who's actually been treated as a heel. I, yeah, I think it's been his time off. He's probably like, he's the only one who's actually watched these shows and thought, this Hogan guy, he's not on the level. He's full of shit. Um, yeah, so Hogan's there, and he wants Goldberg and Luger as his witnesses. And he's you know, speaking, so the, the camera picks it up, and he promises Stingman. He's gonna get his. He's gonna get his rematch, and uh, as God is his witness, because he's Hulk Hogan, brother. He's mm. on the. Le- he's on the level, brother. He's on the level, brother. Yeah. During the week, there was still consideration to turning Hulk Hogan heel, and there's even discussion about turning Sting now. Why not? It's been a while. <laughs> so so they, they're gonna have a match at the pay per view, where they wrestle each other and both become heels at the end of it. Yeah, it's gonna be so bad. Yeah, yeah. And in your main event, not on the network. Kiss played in concert, and all the suspense was answered when Brian Adams is introduced as the Kiss Warrior, the Demon, the God of Thunder, the the special attraction, Kiss Demon, the main event special, contractually obligated. Yes, (laughs) and all the merch sales that any uh, Demon stuff that they sold would go straight to Gene Simmons' back pocket. Can I, speaking, all of it could fit in one back pocket, surely. (laughs) Speaking as a a UK-based wrestling fan. Speaking, hopefully for 
every single other UK-based wrestling fan, or everyone in the UK who's ever listened to any music ever, who gives a fuck about Kiss? Not me. Not me either. You, Carl? War Machine's okay. Oh, God. We're not talking about the songs. Rock and roll all night's fine. Yeah. I got no problem. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, no, now, in, in at terms the time, of, in, in terms of, I didn't give a fuck about four assholes in the face paint. It's sort of popular culture, you know, real focal point. Yeah, by 1989, no one gives a shit. I mean, but, but, you know, it's probably a step up from Megadeth, I suppose. Yeah. Damning with faint praise as that is. We'll, we'll see what the ratings say, won't we? <laughs> oh, 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 I'm sure we will. But Did it's... Brian Adams play for Kiss? Was he bass player or something? Probably a roadie at some point. I can't life. confirm that. Uh, he could have been like bodyguard like Test was. Yeah, yeah. There, you go. there you go. It's just... The company's just fucking garbage <laughs> it's a raging it's a raging dumpster fire <laughs> I say with more gasoline pulled on each week pulled I on poured on each week I say it's burning car I say instead of turning crush into kiss crush you should have, <laughs> turned, you should have turned kiss into Hawaiian kiss <laughs> Think about that. Gene Simmons with lots of like petals around him. A cruise ship tour. Oh god. <laughs> the new Bruce Cruise. We'd have, we'd have made more money out the fucking deal than WCW did at this oh, right. Lovely. Over on Raw, head to head with this shambolic episode. It's the debut of Lillian Garcia. Oh good lord. And didn't she seem fucking polished? <laughs> oh what? what why and where? The way she announces people is fucking terrible. She has to be the right. Rock! The <laughs> turns page. Rock! Yes, terrible, terrible, terrible. Shit, we knew we should, we knew we should have given more details on the cue cards. <laughs> the show opens with Triple H in China complaining about the result of SummerSlam the previous night. They're, they're cool now, though. They're cool, yeah, they're, they're, they're fine. Okay. Yeah, they're yeah. fine. It's all fine. Don't worry about it. Triple H put an arm bar on Jim Ross and threatened to break the arm unless Mankind came out. Uh, JR was out there tapping Matt like crazy, like that means anything. Um... Mankind comes out and agrees to the match so long as he didn't break Jim Ross's arm. Triple H agreed and then twisted the arm and they played a sound effect. Did you hear that? Of the bone breaking. Um, Mankind said that he wasn't going to give Triple H a title match but then Shane McMahon came out and ordered it to happen anyway which begs the question why Triple H needs to go to these lengths to begin with. Just, just go and ask Shane. Yeah, if he can make the match. Well, you've got to have some conflict in your drama, Liam, obviously. Mm. Uh, a, a, a story maestro I can't think of a better word than that such as Vince Russo appreciates you know it's all about the conflict even if it makes no fucking sense none none, none at all none. Um, zero Road Dog versus Al Snow in a hardcore match ends in a non-finish when Chris Jericho comes out just as the Road Dog powerbombs Snow through a table uh, Dog beats Jericho up all the way to the back and just kicks his ass yeah. just no offence for Jericho yeah I almost feel like I'm, I'm sort of glossing over the wider point which is the treatment of Jericho here which is which is the, the real crime non-finish in a hardcore match mm-hmm. well actually th- this, is a, this is a dual situation because as Jericho beats up Rodog the boss man shows up and steals Pepper and Al- oh, yeah. the dog and Al Snow then chases after him which starts some great material on television for Al Snow in the next couple of weeks uh, yeah it's it's not as even it's not as if it was even really a steady decline for Jericho, was it? 
they just completely pulled the rug from under him. He's like, yep, nope, after that nope. thing with Taker, and Triple H has decided, nope, don't want you fucking challenging for the top heel spot. I'm, 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 I'm going to blame Taker for this. Um, Taker trips all of them. I'm going to blame Vince, completely like a foresight in the company, because you, you, they're bringing him in. There's so many spaces all up and down that card. At the top of the card, you can use Jericho better. And it's obviously the rock thing was a mirage. It was a fluke because that was the, the, the slot they had it that week. And yeah, nice first week. Second week, Taker. So there's no direction for him. No. Nope. It's just get him in and around. And. By week three, he's part of the mid card. Yeah, and within the company, yeah, those upper boys didn't want him. Yeah. Squash him. You're not from around these parts. Yeah, exactly. He, he doesn't know how to work yet. Mm. No. Undertaker and Big Show kept the tag team titles that they'd won off a KNX pack, sadly, the night before, going to a non finish with the Acolytes when they all ended up brawling with Kane and X pack who were doing commentary at ringside. Match went 90 seconds. Yeah, and we should. <clears throat> Obviously, we didn't talk about it when we sort of recapped SummerSlam, but it did. Some a, a point we should really emphasise here is that after SummerSlam, that's it for X Park. Yeah, that's it. It's over now. Goose is cooked, done and dusted. Yeah. Well, don't worry because we need time for the Blue Meanie and Stevie Richards doing a skit called "The Legend of Blair Bitch" or "The Legend of the Blonde Bitch Project." Whatever. Did you see this? Yeah. This thing yeah. that went like fucking. Wish I hadn't. Thirty seconds. This, this was supposed to lead to some kind of parody of Sable. That was it. But of course, Vincent Mann saw this, hated it, and pulled it from the air. Well, After this one go. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Tess did an interview and got down on one knee and asked Stephanie to marry him. He's kind of rushing into things here, isn't he? Has it been about six weeks? Mate, he's Couple a, months. He knows. This is Tess, obviously the smartest man in wrestling. Yeah, get in with the family. He wants to get in that. Do yeah. it, do it now. Yeah, hit it quick, hit it hard, hit it fast. While strike while the iron's hot. Give Vince a grandson, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. He knew. He knew. And Triple H knew. It was all. He knew. They knew. Shame at man standing there looking forlorn. So Stephanie doesn't say yes. Doesn't say no. Just says she needs more time. Yeah. Shane, this is a bit weird because then this should have led to test cheating on her. Shane's then delighted that she didn't say yes, but then by the next week it's just kind of like they're engaged and getting married anyway. They're friends anyway. Shane, yeah, it's pretty shitty yeah. the way it kind of turns out. Um, Jericho does a segment backstage, psyching up Howard Finkel, telling him he needed to be a warrior. This leads to a great gag later on. Uh, Jarrett then did an interview. I'll tell your word for it. Yeah, Jarrett did an interview and gave Mark Henry just gave him the European title, just gave it, to, just gave the belt to him and said that everything the night before was Deborah's master plan all along Melter editorialises saying uh, maybe someday they'll find the angle that can get Jeff Jarrett over <laughs> Jarrett brings out Miss Kitty to be Deborah's assistant and Lawler acted like he didn't know her she's the 16 year old you were picking up at the softball game when you were pushing 40 says Melter <laughs> Melter can't say things like that <laughs> that might explain why Lawler hates Melter it would explain it Mark Henry was about to defend his European title against Meat, but uh, he got beaten up by D'Lo Brown backstage. So D'Lo wrestled Mark Henry. He was about to win the belt with the frog splash when Jarrett interferes. Uh, they do this thing again. Why, Jar- why does Jarrett care at this point? He's got what he wanted. Yeah, I don't know. Jarrett had, had signed, uh, put the open contract on his door or something like that for someone to come and wrestle him uh, as well earlier in the show. And Billy Gunn wants this title shot and tells China what's the contract so that no one can do it. And then China. Yeah. <laughs> pulls a little pen out of her bra and signs it herself yeah. and, she... and Kwee wasn't available no no sadly not um, The Rock pinned Gangrel and did a great promo burying all the no marks <laughs> oh this is glorious pretty much what the fuck am I doing with you <laughs> yeah what am I doing with Gangrel and Billy seriously on The Rock that's what he said yeah pretty much and then just says look I'm going to be the champion again 
Because this is bullshit. <laughs> He's not wrong. Yeah. Howard Finkel comes out to the Ultimate Warriors music, shaking the ropes and even blowing up coming to the ring and gasping for air while doing this promo, which I thought was funny. But no one got this. In the crowd, it felt like no one got the gag. Um, and it sucked anyway. I just think they didn't care, to be honest. I thought they got it and didn't care. Uh, probably wondering what's Howard Finkel getting this much TV probably time? wondering what? why why is the ring announcer doing yeah, this why is this woman reading really bad cue cards really poorly and the Fink is now because well, they wanted him to be Ralphus because they've regressed they, yeah already. totally because instead of the expect, instead of placing him at the top of the card and bringing him, up, bringing him along it mm. was uh, no you're going to do exactly what you were you're going to be you're going to be a mid card fucking cycle, recyclable guy trying to find do something funny find Ralphus yeah. for less money to boot oh yeah to pay cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, ends up with Road Dog coming down, Joker comes down and door power bombs Road Dog and leaves him laying. So at least he fucking gets the upper hand at the end. Um, Mr. Ars then asks China to come down. Um, she shows up and Jarrett destroys with a guitar shot from behind. Billy Gunn then grabs a guitar from Miss Kitty and clocks Jeff Jarrett with a guitar. So, why is it always, there's always so much. Why can't you just have the one? Succinct <laughs> points of this thing. Deborah is then mad at Miss Kitty for screwing up. Just shit going on all over the and, place. And, uh, is Billy gonna face? Just, and, uh, yeah, and why does, why does anybody at this point want to see heel Billy Gunn defending the honour of heel China? Against heel Jeff Jarrett. Against heel yeah, Jeff China, Jarrett. Okay, China, China is a heel because she was kind of a face before. Uh, well, he's teased it. I'm Giggling sure. around. Well, she was back with Triple H, so logic, know, yeah, logic would suggest that she was a, she was a heel. Yes, my fault. I don't think it is your fault. <laughs> and finally... It's not our fault. My bad, sorry. We know whose fault it is. <laughs> we know where the blame lies. In the main event, Triple H beats Mankind to win his first WWF Championship. Uh, Face pop. Yep. The Rock was an announcer and Shane was the ref. Uh, Triple H hits bo- uh, both Rock and Mankind with chairs. The fans didn't really care that he hit Mankind, but they sure went nuts when he hit The Rock, says Meltzer. Uh, Triple H hits the pedigree and Shane counts the pin. Michael Cole, who replaced Ross on commentary, went on and on about how it's now Triple H's time. The worst Raw in months, says Dave Meltzer to summarise. Any objection to that uh, claim of the worst Raw? This stunk. Um, not, a fun, not a fun watch. It's not a fun watch, but there's been some pretty bad Raws, so I'm not, I'm not sure I'd want to stick my neck out and give it the sort of ultimate accolade. There. I hated the arm breaking uh, of the sound effect. Yeah, well, no, I'm not saying it's good at all. I just want to be clear on that. I'm not saying it's a good show. I just think there's been plenty of turds dropped over the course of <laughs> nine, over the course of '99 to say to categorically say it's the worst show in months. I mean, yeah. we're, we're we're not exactly going through a stellar month here, just in general, are we? It's just it's kind of synonymous with a month, isn't it? There's so much crammed in, pointless drama which just dilutes your story in the direction you're trying to go. So nothing really gets over as much. Triple H, they should have. I don't know. Again, this is hindsight. But they were desperate for the heel. They just put the fuck. If you're gonna go, then go with him. Yeah. Don't fuck around. Shit, I'll get off the. All pot. this talk the week before about oh, you know, um, pinning Foley backdoors him doesn't get him over. The, the way he went down didn't help anything. No one give a fuck about that because it was just two guys instead of Steve Austin. So you've worn it down even more. Eh? Why don't you just an have extra him, title change? Why don't you just have him beat Austin? You should just beat Austin. If, if if that is the priority, do the if he's got an injury, do the and he can't go. Well, just. Have him attack him the week before, two weeks before, and that's the storyline going in. Steve Austin's got a serious knee injury, but he's still going to go. Because it's Steve Austin. Yeah, he's still going to go. The limitations in the match you worked too, because that's the story you're telling. And just put Triple H over. He can just put this bull trigger. He's yeah. going to anyway. If 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 Austin's hot enough, it's this. If if he can survive it, he would have been able to come back from it if you give him yeah. the gates. I think the, the only question remaining really is well, I suppose the other thing is. 
even if you have Triple H backdoor his way into the into the title. So, say you, you go with the, trip, the triple threat and he, he pins Foley. The problem um, that you've got from him backdooring his way into the, to the title is that works fine if your heel is a chicken shit heel who you want to portray as completely undeserving. But that's really not the way they, they want to portray him, as, as you referenced with mm -hmm. Michael Cole commentary. And it's not the way he tries to come across. In no, promos. he is so desperate not to come so, off like a chicken yeah, shit heel. So, so it wouldn't it wouldn't work in that regard. Uh, the only thing outstanding though, really, is, and it talked been talked about in the past, is did Austin refuse to do a job? Doesn't say H. anywhere that he did. But there's always been the suggestion, hasn't there? Yeah, there's always been the suggestion that he didn't want to do that. But no one's as it said. There's a lot of people talking about it because that's the, how it looks. But there's no, no one's ever said that he did refuse to do the job. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. They're pretty close, aren't they? They have been from some yeah, they're not so they're not so against each other. Don't, don't you think. don't um, surely. I, I, I don't say. I think any sort of animosity that stems from them comes more in 2002 before Austin leaves and Triple H is really sort of worming his way on and all the mm. production meetings and really sticking his finger in the pies. Yeah, well, I'm sure there's a lot, but there's trace elements of that here, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't think they were like mortal enemies or anything like that. I think they they got along and all that. But I just, I, I could, I could see it. I could certainly see him not wanting to make a new guy because he really hadn't done, and he, you know, oh, he hadn't done. No, that's well, that's the, the one flip side is that he was he was so insecure that he was he wasn't prepared to factor in that you kind of need some opponents going forward, Steve. Mm -hmm. Um. Hey, and like I said, maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't turn it down. Mm, yeah. no, no one said that he has. Um, the ratings tell an interesting story. Ask him when you're on his show. I, I, if, I, if I get on there, I will. Uh, Raw, the first show that Steve Austin wasn't a part of in months, did a 5.6. Mm. Uh, almost a full point decrease from the previous week. Um, Nitro fared even worse, doing its worst ratings in years. A 2.9. We're in the twos, everybody! Yay! We've reached the terrible twos. In the battle of main events, Raw's title change with Helmsley over Mankind only did a 5.2 quarter hour against Nitro's Hogan vs. Sting match, which did a 3.4. Neither of those numbers are fucking blowing anyone away. Emphasizes the, the strength of Steve Austin. Austin and Rock, I think we'll see you. Yeah, and it's. And you. I suppose really you look at it and think you'd hope for a bigger number coming off a reaction to SummerSlam but but when your build to SummerSlam has been less than stellar and that's the finish you give them coming away from SummerSlam it stands to reason that you might uh, leave a few people with a bit of a sour taste in their mouth and yeah I think it's, you got you got the the next night would have been if Austin had been screwed the night before and he'd got a okay like they did before the rematch the next night mm. if he was going for the title that doesn't like a fucking seven or something oh yeah, yeah of course it was it's, 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 it's the manner of the way SummerSlam ends isn't it, it? yeah and it's the beat down it's the taking out it's like the de-emphasisation that's not <laughs> yeah, it is now just, um, of <laughs> of Austin so obviously he's not going to be around he's not involved in this, this match tonight everyone knew that it was and Rock obviously wasn't involved so it's like yeah there's no the two lead characters that you have the interest or you, you need interest in were Triple H or Foley and Foley was cold as ice and he Triple H wasn't willing to sacrifice so. <laughs> 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 the Hogan Sting match actually opened with a 2.75 rating for its opening minutes Hogan Sting 2.5 uh, 2.75 
During the overrun period, the Triple H title win grew to a 6.4 when opposed by Kiss in concert, which drew a 2.25 rating for their 500 grand price tag. It's 500 grand through a 2.25. Yeah, but in terms of value for money, um, ratings per dollar spent. That's probably up there with what this company's turning out. You know, best value for money they've done so far, <laughs> really. Mm, <laughs> maybe. Ish. You, you think, right? You think the hundreds of thousands of dollars Sid has squashed oh, yeah. in seconds for no ratings. Yeah. The number of Humvees they've destroyed. Exactly. Yeah. Those things don't come cheap. 500 grand. You say 500 grand, but there's like five in the band. So that's only, that, you know, pro rata, that's 100 grand a piece. <laughs> Straight away, that's less than the average. Uh, salary for the wrestlers, so it's value for money. Twenty-five grand a piece. Yeah, yeah. Uh, An average six-man tag for WWE costs them twenty-five million dollars per <laughs> minute. True fact. Have you seen Rick Steiner's contract? <laughs> Actually, I haven't. It's appalling. Uh, Raw's rating peaked with a five-point-nine quarter hour for the Gangrel match with, with The Rock. Ah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So after that, there was a note in the Observer. There is absolutely nothing on the drawing board for the September 4 Brawl pay-per-view. WCW was supposed to cut its first pay-per-view channel promotional piece for the show this past week, but cancelled filming because they hadn't decided what they're going to do. Well, <laughs> they're learning there, Rob. <laughs> Another benchmark. Another milestone. Along with that 2.9. Another what's gallon of gasoline. What's the rush? <laughs> You see what number the E did <coughs> just six days? <clears throat> exactly. During midweek, there was a ton of talk about Eric Bischoff's position being tenuous. Within the office and among the wrestlers, because it's a Turner company, there have been diversity meetings as it regards to race relations. Things are okay in the office until the No Limit Soldiers versus West Texas Rednecks angle, because the office is basically made up of country music fans and African Americans. The angle somehow polarised the office personnel. Two weeks ago, one of Bischoff's secretaries wrote a, wrote a very nasty racial joke on her computer and emailed it to some of her friends and accidentally pushed the wrong button and emailed it to everyone. <laughs> when she wasn't fired for the joke, there were a lot of complaints about how racial harmony was made out to be such a big thing in the company and by not firing the secretary, it sent a powerful message. Oh, a fucking clusterfuck of a place to work. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, it's fucking hell. Just makes me feel better about my own place of business. I won't go that far, but um, <laughs> mate, we're in Shropshire. Nothing, nothing can go right. <laughs> These, this is those incompetent bunch of people that have ever collaborated on a project. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Up, up to this point. Up to this point. <laughs> the first SmackDown airs on August twenty-sixth, headlined by The Rock versus Triple H for the title. And of course, we uh, tend not to mention the other shows. However, we will here because it ends with Shawn Michaels super kicking The Rock, the commissioner. Shawn Michaels super kicks The Rock and teams with Triple H. Uh, they are hoping that Michaels' incredible ability to generate heel heat can somehow provide the rub for Triple H to be the top guy. I bet Triple H was absolutely ecstatic with that philosophy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right, Trips. You're not very good. <laughs> no one really cares about you. They never did. Remember when they did care about him? <laughs> We're bringing him back. <laughs> and he's not really injured, as you know, so if he fancies it, he's probably going to take your spot as well. <laughs> yeah, let's see how this goes down. Enjoy. Mm. The show only did a 4.2 rating. In fact, I'm adding Triple H. Triple H is my new, I was going to say Lee Harvey Oswald, but obviously he didn't do it, whereas Triple H did. 
Um, the reason why Sean missed four years, I'm putting it down to Triple H's Trips. politicking because Sean would have moonwalked into the top heel spot in this. Company. Oh, would he ever? So this yeah. was, this was the time for Sean to come back. Oh, honestly, you fucking too right. And Triple H knew it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, four point two rating. A little bit disappointing for SmackDown, the, the first one, and interesting. I, again, shit thrown together again for the end reason of trying to hope he get, gives Triple H the rub. Boy, those those those. those uh, Trips and Sean versus Austin and Rock matches that could have been the heat there that could have been fun anyway point is this makes no fucking sense either when you actually look at the last few weeks of TV why is Shawn Michaels two with Triple H now um, he regretted putting China in the match he realised the error of his ways and it was a make good I don't know I mean, even even when Sean had, had turned babyface after being fired from the corporation Triple H plays a hand in that by DX locking him out of the building yeah yeah so this doesn't make any sense at all no, no, not one iota. Also on August 26th, in line with the debut of SmackDown, Raven gets his WCW release and debuts in ECW. When Bischoff gave Raven his release, he told him that he admired his guts to walk out on that meeting and uh, and ask for the release because he didn't expect that anybody actually would. They basically agreed that Raven wouldn't say anything bad about WCW as a term of getting the release, and that in one year, when Raven's ECW deal is up, he's welcome to come back to WCW. Assuming there's something to come back to. Well fucking played, Eric. Well fucking played, mate. Well, he needs to get that wage bill down, so... Oh yeah, we'll come to that. <laughs> we'll come to that. Anyway, so... So on August 30th, Nitro goes unopposed in its regular time slot because Raw is preempted, delayed by a couple of hours by the US Open. So Nitro has its time slot. It has the Raw audience potentially... And I just wrote down in all capital letters, this card is fucking god-awful. When you look at the matches on this show... Surely, Liam, <clears throat> they cater to this vacuum of, of rest in, on, on, on the other channel and uh, gave the fans something to think, Jesus, what am I missing every week? Yep, there is an opening to exploit here and let's see how they do it. Let me read off the matches, first of all. Let's do this. Regal and Taylor versus Disorderly Conduct. Who? <laughs> Scotty Riggs versus Lash LaRue. Kaz Hayashi versus Lodi, Mysterio and Guerrero versus Laparka and Blitzkrieg, The Windhams versus Kenny Chaos and Prince Iakir, Buff Bagwell versus Van Hammer, Evan Courageous versus Mike Enos, <laughs> Mike Enos and Evan Courageous, Douglas and Malenko versus Nobs and Humorous, Rick Steiner versus Disco Inferno, Chris Benoit versus Jerry Flynn, and Hogan and Goldberg versus The Triad in the main event. Can you imagine? Watching that, no. <laughs> I would not. I say I did. Putting that card on the air at this point in the war. It's free swing, Liam. It's free swing. <laughs> Fucking hell. Sid's still running in, still doing a shit promo to start the show. At one point, he's just repeatedly saying there's no end to this promo. <laughs> How can you have? <laughs> Thankfully, there was an end and it was coming pretty soon. Astronomically deep roster and put out that fucking card. <laughs> no, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Isn't it? The thing is, sorry, you you forget most of these people are actually still employed until they appear on your screen. That's not even a house show card. Yeah, that's garbage. It makes me dread what their house show cards looked like. Probably like that, but without the main event players that's involved. True. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lex Luger does an interview on the show and says that before Nitro's over, he's going to expose Hogan for the phony that he is. Mm. So this is a recurring theme here. Vampiro, who is also all over this fucking show again, 
Uh, they're doing something where he appears to be recruiting for the Deadpool. I'm not really sure. He approaches Riggs and Evan Courageous at some point, saying they owe him. Mm. I'll be keen to see if anything comes of this. I well, thought... Riggs was in the flock. That's true. I thought it was more to Courageous. Oh, it was definitely Courageous. Actually, it was both, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so with, with, with Raven... Uh, gone. Uh, yeah, gone. at the back door... Um, Vamp is now, I guess, pseudo. He's Vamp and he's Raven. He's yes. like the ringleader. Um, you know, trying to cut this mis- mysterious mind games, whatever he's doing. He's just fucking atrocious. He's, I, he's like an ultimate indie wrestling geek. That he'll do something. He'll do his little switch kick, and then he he, he has this look like he thinks he's fucking ace. Like, yeah. yeah. How good was that? I hate this guy so much. Nothing is worse than watching a vampiro false trip on his ass bump fuck you <laughs> you fucking clown long before this situation is is terrible anyway because even though you got the insane clown posse out there and they're assumingly a heel act uh, he's out there just high-fiving the fans at ringside as he comes out which he got heat for from Nash saying what the fuck is this idiot doing um Bush League it's Bush League yeah. but it's, hard, it's hardly not in keeping with this company no. unless we forget their lead heel stable who were treated as faces for Three years, whatever. Mm. Um, again, you put them together. With, you put the band with Raven, who's got this the cool gimmick. They was st- I, I when they first came out, they were pseudo faces. What mm. they just be? And there's there's a shit of an obnoxious guys, the ICP and, and Vamp. So yeah, heel by proxy. But intentions, I have no idea whether they were supposed to be heels or faces. I said the, the key word there is Lane that you said you assumed. Yeah, you have to. We have to assume. Yeah, because nothing makes any sense otherwise. Gene, inter- uh, Gene uh, Oakland is in the ring interviewing the debuting Berlin complete with entourage uh, complete with uh, security, secret service guys padding down Gene um, he, he looks familiar Uta Ludendorff is, is, is uh, his translator yeah, yeah Ludendorff reference you must have enjoyed that car <laughs> I'm a simple man with simple pleasures I thought this was a really good intro for Berlin I like this a lot the music, it, the music is changed on the network. I think it doesn't have the great music, but uh, is it? Yeah, um, there's a lot I like about the character. A lot I like about it. The presentation, the looks ace. I just a little bit confused. Is he supposed to be like a pretentious artist, but at the same time, like with Stasi background or something? I'm not quite sure what. Oh, is he just foreign? Carl. Well, there, there's the you get the 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 Stasi vibe from yeah. from all the all the um, heavies with him, but. It, yeah, it's, it's an odd one. It, it almost just boils down to this bloke in a suit with shades. He's German, by the way, and he has the the translator. So we're we're, we're and that, that speaks to this idea of the stars again because with the the translator, which is a knockoff from Rocky Four, you're going back to the whole Eastern Block Iron Curtain type of thing. Which don't get me wrong, it, he's got a cool look to him, but this is the year 1999. It did get a good reaction though. Like people seem to get to the. I thought for the first few weeks Berlin feels like he's getting over at the present in this company where bang on about nothing resonating this character was stood out so yeah, um, yeah I mean there's a lot of WCW there but, so where's he going to go but how much of that is him standing out just because of the shit show that exists otherwise oh yeah I mean it, it's presentation is the fucking clowns of the circus most of the time so this stood yeah. out as but that's, that's the whole point is that they, everyone can do it it's just they never do they never do <laughs> so. pretty good uh, interview back and forth although the translators blow the, uh, the, yes. the go home line unfortunately so there is that and he also, the other negative is that he says he's after Bagwell which is like well he's just the middle guy straight well, away well there you go yeah 
So there you go. Uh, they interviewed a dishevelled Lex Luger who claimed that Hogan jumped him backstage. Uh, Hogan com- uh, Luger then comes out for a third interview later on and asked for Sting to come out so he could show him the proof he was talking about at the start. He showed a photo of Hogan standing by a white Hummer. He's not even standing by it, he's like kind of walking past it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is at Aldi again, and he's just walking past. He's got, <laughs> he's got his vitamins at the pharmacy, happens to be walking past a white Hummer. Yeah, because we all know Hogan gets his vitamins from the pharmacy. Hogan limped, uh, limp- <laughs> Hogan limped out to a light response of mainly booze and started protesting. I-, I believe Lex. Why wouldn't you believe Lex? Who fucking cares about the White Hummer, by the way? That was why? Why overarching? I, it was this segment when it struck me. It's like, why would Sting be mad about the Hummer? It didn't hit him. It hit Nash, who was fine. I guess Sting's, Sting's and Nash, had, Nash was the heel. Yeah, like it last week. And Sting's only connection. Who connect- the fuck cares? And Sting's only connection to this is that on one Nitro he was seen in one, and he was falsely blamed. Is yeah. the other thing too. That's great. Anyone? I'm, I'm, I'm dying for someone I, to explain. I, I have this. no advancement on that. Why would I, Sting? Because I can't care explain at all. it. Why would anyone care? Anyway, Vampiro's still farting around in the ring. The demon comes out of his little coffin box. Uh, to kind of sort of not challenge Vampiro and says at some point sometime I'm going to get you mm. that was thrilling thanks mm. and, and then the contribution of Kona Crush Kiss Crush whatever he's going to be Corporal Crush Corporal Crush Captain Crush Corma Crush <laughs> all the greats <laughs> the thing is all those suggestions and mine aren't the worst <laughs> no, <laughs> Not even close to the worst. Hulk Hogan came uh, came out to the ring and thanked the fans for their support. They responded by booing him anyway. <laughs> he said next week he'd prove that Lex Luger was wrong and challenged DDP to a singles match. Uh, challenged DDP, this guy who apparently has been coming out ragging on him every single week. I couldn't remember a single time he did that, to be honest. No, I can't remember either because he's been talking about Benoit yeah. most talk- and Kidman. He, he hasn't talked about Hogan since 97. Maybe it's Thunder, who knows. Yeah, possibly. Um, the f- so after he challenged uh, Page, he asked Goldberg to come out and wants to take Goldberg's place in this match with DDP. The fans oh. booed this, figuring they wouldn't get to see Goldberg wrestle. And they were sick of Hogan anyway at this point. Goldberg suggested a two-on-three main event. Not much of a pop for that suggestion. Uh, yeah, so there you go. That's your main event. Goldberg and Hogan versus the triad. You say two men or three men, you're getting all the triad regardless. Yeah. And here, here's, something, here's something special. Rick Steiner buries Disco Inferno. <laughs> Perry Saturn comes out for the save. Oh and what happens, Kieran? Please. Oh my God. Rick's what a run in this is. Rick Steiner turns into a fucking Bandelay Silver in his prime. <laughs> throwing these. Okay, they admittedly were probably like 70%. Um, what's it called? Like training punches, uh, sparring punches. But he's just the fighting stance. It's a proper fighting stance. He's throwing these proper. Mechanic- mechanically correct punches just teeing off like non-stop on Saturn and Saturn's like what the fuck is going on here he's getting <laughs> he's getting he is getting lit up and not lit up as in like not the fuck out just that Rick's proving a point like yeah and if I did this properly what would you do yeah that's what he's doing yeah um, he's, he's sending the message he only gives in like he's Saturn's eyes a, bit, a little bit red and a little swollen but he's not it's not if he was going if he was trying to like knock him out he would have knocked him out in seconds yeah. it was proving a point what the fuck are you going to do so god knows what was backstage what went on to, to prompt this yeah. um, I'm sure you're about to, I hope you're about to tell us it, 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 basically this this centres around Perry Saturn's nickname of Shooter right backstage okay. so there you go Rick Steiner wanted to prove who a shooter was 
In, a, in, a, in an unsuspecting work environment. <laughs> of course! Because isn't that how it works? <laughs> Could have just had a fight in a parking lot, but nah. Nah, nah, you gotta do it on live TV when the guy's not expecting yeah. it. Hey, at least he took, the, he took a bump for the super kick and bell at the He ring did, level. he did. He kept it professional. And then no solid. <laughs> <laughs> then no solid. Hey, he's a champion, goddammit. You're gonna keep his heat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in your main event, Hogan and Goldberg beat the tribe when Hogan leg dropped Bigelow for the pin. At the same time, Goldberg speared Canyon, but Paige hit Goldberg with a chair and hit the diamond cutter, but Goldberg no solid. it. The show opened with Sting opening the door to Hogan's dressing room and being shocked when he saw that Randy Savage and Gorgeous George were just randomly sitting there. So they're back. Load of shit, this show. Load of shit. It's funny that Hogan is... During this entire shit show, and I'm not just talking about this show in particular, just in general, is still managing to sort of tick ones off the bucket list of items. He finally gets that pin over Bigelow that he really wanted in 88. <laughs> Fabulous. At least someone's dreams are coming true because <laughs> mine aren't watching it. <laughs> Obviously, Hogan never forgets, which is, you know, quite ironic given his patchy recollection of events mm. during various lawsuits during the, over it the is, years. It so. is curious that. Um, oh, so over on Raw, this is not head to head like we said. Uh, no Shawn Michaels on the entire show. So that's a good follow up. Yeah. We start with The Rock coming out, challenging Triple H, and he's kind of daring him to come out. When the uh, when he and again even Rock only kind of flippantly half-assed mentioned Shawn Michaels in passing. Um, when Triple H something might have happened in the interim. Yeah, so that'll, well, that'll become apparent in the, the September notes when we when we tackle that. Um, when Triple H didn't come out, the Rock went backstage after him. As he was looking, Triple H, China, and Shane all triple teamed on him backstage until Mankind made the save. Uh, Shane did an interview saying that Rock and Mankind would both be given matches, and if either won, they'd be the number one contender for Triple H. So he announces that Mankind will wrestle the Posse, three-on-one, and The Undertaker, who's actually not wrestling at all right now because he's got a torn groin, will wrestle The Rock in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Those are the two matches that we're going to get on this show. I think I know which one I'd prefer. The Mean Street Posse actually beat Mankind by disqualification. Mankind had them beat, but Shane wouldn't carry. He had them all pinned at one point. He's lying on all of them. Um, he puts the claw on Shane for the disqualification, so no title match for him. Triple H made the save, but ended up with a claw on him as well. So, uh, with the exception of the main event, the crowd was pretty dead for this, actually. Um, and even with Mankind, I thought it was kind of sad. They didn't really give a fuck about anything that was going on. And Mankind looked real bad here, by the way. Well, he's less in the posse, but like his general movement looks fine. Ever since he's come back, but especially here, because when he's working with guys who aren't good, like, oh dear. Well, I suppose that's the he's, he's working with, with generally, you know, a, a trio of guys who've, who've got a, a good act, but... Uh aren't going to cut the mustard in the ring uh, to put it mildly and should he even be back at this stage I got, I got the impression you know, I mean from now to the end of his screen he never sort of gets back into real better shape anyway apart from that little stint at the at the rumble but you, know, you sort of combine the fact that Foley's generally a big guy and he's coming off knee surgery and the suggestions he may have come back early to get the belt off Austin in some fashion, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a bit of a Molotov cocktail at the end of the day, isn't it? It's, it's not going to go well. Yeah, indeed. Um, it didn't really get any better for the next match either, because the Undertaker orders the Big Show to wrestle the Rock instead, and the crowd was dead for this as well. This is the deadest Rock match in forever. But Big Show fucking stinks during this month he's awful yeah, spe speaking of guys out of shape <laughs> yeah lovely segue the match ends when uh, Taker interferes allowing Big Show to chokeslam Rock through the table uh, the announce table for the win so Rock does another job so neither of them gets the match with Triple H 
Yeah, there you they, go. They should be so grateful to The Rock for his natural talent that he's able to survive the multitude of shit scenarios they put him in throughout 99 as a whole. Lillian Garcia announces that the winner of the match is The Undertaker. <laughs> Let's face it, that's probably what she was told about three hours before the show started, and she doesn't know which one's which. Yeah. Triple H came out afterwards to try and kick the rock when he was down, but the Undertaker for some reason snatched him as well. Um, Mankind comes out, and Show and Taker concentrate on laying him out so Triple H could escape. Um, so there you go, that's just a completely unnecessary way to kind of shift the focus for Mankind and Rock. Yeah. Triple H, you come out there, Taker will try and get you, and when Mankind tries to get you, he'll try and get you. And again, why the hell would you remotely care about Triple H as world champion at this point? Yeah, this isn't this isn't this isn't uh, this isn't really doing it for me. Almost to the point of they had a plan coming out of the SmackDown show. Mm-hmm. Something happened in the interim. Yes, Sean's yeah. not there, so they've just thrown some shit at the wall for this week. Yeah, totally have. And totally because have. it's not the Monday, because it's not up against Nitro or anything, we can get away with it. Yeah, indeed. Um, so. Al Snow does an interview after uh, obviously Pepper has been stolen by the boss man and this is when he does the uh, if you've got the information on the whereabouts of Pepper please call this number which was Val Venus's phone number really <laughs> live on the air oh, so like Jesus. hundreds of people call Val Venus to ask him about the whereabouts of Pepper and try and provide information <laughs> so classic rib from Al Snow there <laughs> good stuff meanwhile while this is going on you can hear like the sounds of people like fucking in the background just <laughs> 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 like What's going on here? And it turns out on GTV it's like Meat and uh, Mariana. That's the name. Chaz's Mrs. Yeah, Miss, Mrs. This Mrs. is just hot Mrs. stuff. Beaver. <laughs> Indeed. No, no, Mrs. Cleavage. Mm. He was Beaver. Oh, sorry. Was he? I yeah. don't know. It only lasted a week. <laughs> so, speaking of lasted a week, Jeff Jarrett and Mark Henry beat D'Lo Brown and Billy Gunn, who's a babyface now? Is he? Uh, apparently he's been cast as one. Well, he was like, you know... Fraternising with China, and surely she's a face after that. Oh, I don't know. No, she's not. She. China went. To, China went to hit Jarrett with the guitar, but hit Billy Gunn instead by accident. And Jarrett pinned him. Gunn's team with D'Lo here, and and coming up in in September, yeah, he's just he's just a baby face. I I just feel sorry for D'Lo in all this. Yeah, D'Lo deserves so much better than this. He's, he's lost his best rash. friend. He's lost his belt. He's teaming with Ass Man. You know. <laughs> <coughs> oh dear finally it's down times for the brown at this point it is finally in your main event Rock and Mankind win the tag team titles from The Undertaker and The Big Show The Undertaker never tagged in and in fact walked off at one point um, after a ref bump The Rock delivered a hard chair shot to The Big Show and Rock and Mankind did the double people's elbow for the win um, the finish got a good pop but Show has regressed a lot as a worker in the last 18 months and Rock couldn't carry him and Mankind looked terrible in the ring with Big Show this obviously was also um, built up to by at one point Rock and Mankind in the ring doing the promo where Mankind suggests the idea of the team and, uh, and, and steals the Rock's catchphrases and the chemistry between these two is, is great immediate wasn't anything that to be worked on or developed no. brilliant comedy time and Mankind happy to make himself look like the fucking idiot to make the Rock look great yeah. and it worked Works a charm, and then at the end too. But Rock too, Rock just he's got a little bit of charm. Yeah, no, your Rock will just give him a little bit. Yeah, you can see he won't, he won't, he won't overtly say it because he's a Rock, goddammit. But you know he's he's got a soft spot for Mick. Yeah, you, you can sense that. Yeah, it's fucking great. I suppose the one point that I love is when he's giving the people's elbow. He just looks at mankind as the come over here, 
and they do it together. Yeah. It's just like, hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah. There's a little fucking bit of something here with these two. So that's great stuff. And of course, new tag team champions at the end. Yeah. So again, all this one show. So, oh god. Yeah. So you're expecting yeah. uh, who's going to be the number one contender for the world title? World no title one. gets completely fucking. Who cares? Yeah. Um, so at least they give the fans something. They give the rock a title. They give them a win. They give them some shine. They give them a nice little. Taker's deserted Big Show. Okay. Taker's pretty much almost gone, gone. after this. I think he does. He does appear again, but this is pretty much it for him. Yeah. So at least Rock's doing something now that's not going grill. That's true. And uh, or Billy Gunn. I'm not sure what fucking Triple H is going to do going forward, though. Well, they don't have a fucking clue what they're doing with Triple H going forward. Let's so, see. Yeah, we will see. Raw. This is great. Again, remember. This is awesome. Raw finished at 11 p.m. So at 11 till 1, Raw did a 4.2. Numbers that have to be considered exceptional given it's being so late at night in a new time slot. Nitro, going unopposed, did a 4.0. <laughs> Raw still beat them even though they were two hours later in a new time slot. The fact that WCW going unopposed and coming from the Nassau Coliseum in New York put on a completely awful show to the largest audience it will draw at any time in the foreseeable future is nothing short of mind-boggling. When the match lineup was put on the boards at about 6.30pm before Nitro, the wrestlers were shaking their heads in disbelief they would put on such a weak lineup of matches on a night where they had a chance to pick up some momentum. The Nitro main event with Hogan and Goldberg versus the Triad did a 4.8 rating. The US Open in Raw's usual time slot did a 1.0. Oh if you think about things logically and with some sort of sense of rationale, yes, it's mind-boggling. If you look at the track record of the company, it's not the least bit surprising. It's so sad. Why, why should the we? Is why, so sad. why should we assume? just because they're unopposed that they're actually going to have sensible ideas for a change but they talk so much Carl about you know a new direction a new belief new (laughs) new hope yes new hope and Bischoff's idea for that is to break the mid card and try and get a bunch of them to quit well, he, needs, he needs the money to pay for Kiss concerts. True that, true that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's lovely. Um, from a WCW talent contract changes internal memo um, that was uh, posted by Chris Harrington on his on his uh, lovely site about uh, contracts and, and legal mu if you will, in WCW, they are at this point six point three million dollars over budget for nineteen ninety nine as things sit right now. $6.3 million over budget. They started the year in the Georgia Dome drawing over 40,000. Their first three pay-per-views of the year were all in excess of a, of a one, one point buy rate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now they're $6.3 million over budget. The previous year they'd made something like, what, $50 million? Something like that. <laughs> I reckon that number is also uh, a skewed number. 6-3 over budget. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder what they actually factor into that and what they don't factor into that. I bet there's little caveats to stuff they don't include. Stuff like Kiss concerts. Oh, yeah. I bet they are accounted for someone else. Yeah, what's 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 actual WCW expenses and what's siphoned off as Time Warner expenses? You look at the size of that roster, the money they're paying... They probably lost more than six point three on that on the last pay per view. 
Oh yeah, paper not view. Well, it's either it's either that or you just accept that the start of the year business was still good, and it has fallen off to such an extent so rapidly that the damage is actually far is far worse than that than that um, mm-hmm. baseline figure. At this point, they are still making massive expenditures on these contracts. Vampiro was given like a hundred and fifty grand raise or something like that, like this month by Bischoff. Kisser paid half a million. What were Megadeth paid? Uh, um, that, that was on the last show. You, yeah. you go and check that out. I can't remember what's happening. No, but, but you, know, you know, Master P was was paid seven figures. Dennis right. Rodman seven Dennis figures. Dennis Rodman seven figures. Dustin Rhodes was just signed this month to a new contract, five hundred grand a year. <laughs> Dustin Rhodes, not wanted by the WWF anymore. Yeah, hadn't been seen since April. No, five hundred grand because he's Dusty's kid and Dusty's involved. Well, maybe it'll just mean when you when you when you fill up your undercard with Mike Enos and that, obviously this 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 roster needs filling, Liam. So and true. And, and again, though, talking about this idea of, of where the costs deviate from, if that's solely WCW losses, you know, just what they class as WCW expenditure. Think about all the contracts that doesn't include. It yeah. doesn't include Hogan's, Brett's, Sting's. No, it doesn't include basically all the top guys and Jeff Jarrett and all the big money. Well, Jap's not there yet, so there you go. <laughs> 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 included. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to him. I suppose. But all the top guys, you know, they've managed to siphon that. That money's coming out of another division of, of Time Warner. So how fucking bad is it that you're still posting a bottom line figure of six million over budget? And we're only in August. <laughs> Gene Simmons of Kish, 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 Kish. Gene Simmons of Kish, Kish would have been more enjoyable. <laughs> Gene Simmons of Kish did an interview where he said he went with WCW instead of the WWF because of Eric Bischoff's integrity. And the WWF never asked. <laughs> WCW shockingly didn't learn from the bad rating after all, as they've added a New Year's Eve pay per view from the Fiesta Bowl in Tempe, Arizona, which will be a combination full length wrestling show and a full length Kiss concert. At but, the same time. I hope so. Boy, are the wrestlers going to be pissed having to spend the biggest New Year's Eve in history, 1999, the turn of the millennium, working for WCW. Anyway. Um, and at this point are we any closer to any idea of what's happening at Full Brawl no they've got a fucking clue what's going on ok yeah, plenty of time <laughs> there's time there is no rush no there's no rush at all so that is our final note for the month of August 1999 a very turbulent month in terms of just on television on both sides shit just going on all over the place it feels really disjointed um a lot of just kind of random things being like thrown together some embers of some fun stuff in there too um, but yeah just that when you look at the WWF Triple H as the top heel champion doesn't really feel it, it feels like they honestly it feels like WWF is quite similar to WCW this month in terms of they don't know what they've got next they don't know what's coming yeah also that fear of if you're going to go with Triple H you need to you need to go all in with him um, and obviously WCW never went all in with anyone um, but that fear of uh, the rumours of Austin, people are a little antsy about the positions. Still, very, you know, there's not even though they're kicking WWE's ass at this point in the ratings and stuff. Yeah, it turns around. It's been it's been a quick turnaround. So yeah. it's people are still protecting their positions and not, very looking, at, not looking at the bigger picture. Like you need to create opponents and rivals and uh, other stars. So very interesting. And and the thing is, whilst you know. If you sort of go over the course of 
say an 18 month period you know people like Rock have been elevated Triple H even though he's not over to the extent he needs to be has been elevated from where he was at, you know say the spring of 98 mm-hmm. Fo- Foley's um Foley's he's, he's been he's, he's been, he's been elevated yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there are you know, there are there are people you can point to say they're bigger than they were eighteen months ago. Even <laughs> Big so, so certainly. Uh, even so, a lot of the booking is actually in terms of the top of the card stems from quite the comfort zone. I think you've got a general template of Austin as the super over over babyface, Vince as the heel owner. Here's Vince's group. Who who's the rotating person we bring in to feud with Austin over the course of pay per views? And that's again, I'm it, I'm sort of generalising, but by and large, that mm-hmm. has been the path for the better part of eighteen months. Now we've we've come out of that. We've got and, lots and, of show and, and they don't and they don't know what to do. Yeah, they're, they're now sort of business is still good, numbers are still good, but they're out of their comfort zone, and they're not sure what to do. WCW. <laughs> this is uh, what are you things, saying things, things haven't been going well which is a gross <laughs> understatement things are going badly but this is like when people in the states learn, learn about the Tet Offensive things are going badly but now everything's <laughs> gone to shit it's all out there now everyone knows and what the fuck are we going to do <laughs> A sad, sad sight to see WCW at this point. Kieran, your thoughts? Is this redeemable at this point with WCW? Do you think anybody could have salvaged it? Uh, there's still enough there. Dave, I mean, still I'm going to ask you this question, by the way, at the end of every show. On a, <laughs> on an, oh, it's a thing. Was it salvageable at this point? Would I have taken the job? Would you have taken the job? No, if they're paying, then fuck yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's so much talent there. Yeah. It's, don't let that card fool you there's like the show's an absolute mess they're doing everything they can to dislocate fans from their product but there's still enough there people th- there is enough there to make a show out of this to where just look at WF look at their problems now they're, they're starting to shit they've got a lack of depth on tops it's always been there anyway they only had mm-hmm. fucking Austin before and it was. And now Austin's coming down with this attitude problem and these, these little injuries pro- cropping up here and there and those two is, that, pro- is that affecting his mood yeah maybe? they're probably and those, those two things are intertwined as well he's insecure he's got these injuries they're not great stars Taker's still there again being cycled and, you know, the, the last 18 months of opponents for Austin has been pretty much Taker, st- Taker and Foley and, and Rock. Rock so that's it so okay we've got Rock that's there's that um Gangrel's clearly picking up some steam. Yeah, exactly. But they're just, it's governed by the boys. The boys are, the inmates are in the asylum, and they're only, the nature of that beast is you look short term for yourself. And the, the duration of that contract, two or three years or whatever it is. Um, and it's just, nothing's ever changed. Nothing's ever changed. The, it's just now, it's gone, it's been recycled. The same story's been recycled so many times now. It's, they've run out of, Ways which people just completely won't be fucking befuddled with what the the, the choices they're doing now. They're just they're just yeah. There's, there's no using the same talent. You need to create new new stars. Yeah. Um. That gets that gets stale. When when when, it, when that gets stale, you make bad decisions to keep the same stuff fresh, like Tennessee of Austin Hill. 
Um, the fact that Jericho came in and has been quelled so quick oh, that's oh, when yeah. these problems are going on at the same time yeah. there is a se- honestly this month and this maybe this probably the closing thought to lead into September because I think it's a great kind of parallel and nice little crossover the next episode of the timeline of course September 1999 we're going to do that as our next show I believe um, so that we can kind of cover this back to back because next month September is Eric Bischoff's Waterloo um, it's all coming to a head for Easy E and at the same time I think this month is like more so the end of this month and the start of September there are there's a real feeling of the WCW problems in the WWF and uh, and, and it gets worse in terms of the, the nature of the shows and the way things kind of come about so we'll cover that on the timeline next week here at SCG Radio so much to talk about uh, as it always is on these timeline shows so a lot of fun thank you very much for listening and uh, we will be back again next week to talk September of 1999 in the Monday Night War timeline as uh, Eric Bischoff is finally shown the door. So we'll talk about all about the politics about that and everything that goes on in the WWF and WCW for Carl Jones. Yeah, wait one second. No, Lister's still alive. And for Kieran O'Rourke. Would you mind uh, googling Kimberly Page? <laughs> Kimberly Page happening if you were. <laughs> I am Liam O'Rourke, and we're out of here. Talk to you again next week. I don't see you searching. Carl. Good old boys, they're just good old boys. We got American flags flying in our yard every Saturday night.